Welcome to another episode of Conspiragate. My name is Troy Thomas. And I'm Roman the Rapper. And today we're going to talk about a whole bunch of shit. A lot of CIA <laughs> shit. We're not very prepared, but we're just going to kind of go off the cuff because that's what we do. We're improvers. We're, we're men of the people. We, that's right. We speak from the heart. So, so, all right. We were talking uh, off mic about um, some shit that the CIA has done. And uh, so Roman was telling me that Bob Marley didn't necessarily die from like, what was it like supposedly like gangrene of the foot or something like that? Oh shit. Okay. So yeah. So uh, I'm watching the TI's podcast uh, expeditiously <laughs> and he has Alex Jones on as his guest. Apparently this is from like 11 months ago. And, um, T.I. was saying that one of Bob Marley's friends gave him some boots. I, I don't know the full story, but Bob Marley was reported to have said, ouch, when he put these boots on. And um, Alex Jones is saying that this is some kind of cancer injection that they put into his foot to kill him because he didn't want to play ball with uh, the powers that be. Which is interesting phrasing because like the the what's... Um pretty much on record as the story that Bob Marley died of was he like had an injury while playing soccer and it caused like some sort of, I think it was like gangrene or something uh, in his foot. And then that led to him dying there. I forget, I don't know like the full story of it. It's something we could probably look into, but um, that just sounds bizarre. It was kind of bizarre. I always thought it was a strange thing. But then also, like, when you say, like, he put on boots and, like, said, ow, I was like, maybe that's because, you know, he, like, fucked up his foot when he was playing soccer. <laughs> well, well, that's what they want you to think. That's what they want you to believe. Well, and then you were saying that, like, potentially, who who else they, did they potentially kill him with this, like, weird cancer? Oh, yeah, it's like a cancer injection, right? Yeah, he said cancer injections. Um, He didn't specify, but I think... I think he said it, it had been used to take out like other people and assassins that have basically, you know, to cover the tracks after they kill somebody like, um, cause he said he had been contacted by John Lennon's family because he said John Lennon was another guy that was taken out because basically the, he wouldn't play ball with, uh, the, uh, I don't know, the shadow government or what, what are we calling it now? The deep uh, state. The deep state. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the deep state. Well, dude, the deep state is like confirmed now. Like, oh, the fucking, uh, I mean, for years now, uh, the, like, mainstream media has talked about the deep state. <laughs> and that's only because of Trump, I think. It is. Trump's, like, the only president I think. No, no, no. Um, funny enough, Obama mentioned the deep state once during a speech. But Obama's, or uh, Trump's mentioned it multiple times. Right, yeah, because he's, you know, <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care about <laughs> a lot of shit, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um but so this... okay oh yeah go ahead so so basically alec jones is saying um when these people get too powerful the the deep state does some calculations like um you know like actuary ca calculations like insurance does mm -hmm. basically like if it's worth it to kill this person or to <laughs> or if there's other ways to stop them yeah so what it is is they look at them and see, can this person take us down? And then based on that, if, if, you know, if they're not playing ball, then they're like, okay, where do we go from here? How do we take them down? Do we have to kill them? Can we just blackball them? Can we, you know, neutralize them some other way? And just basically, cause you know, they have the power to do that. There's, so the CIA is really creepy because 
So I was reading this book uh, called Chaos, the uh, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the Sixties. And in the book, it they describe there's this doctor named Jolly West who like he was basically like in charge of MK Ultra. Like he he was like the main guy for the CIA when it comes to MK Ultra. He was the one who set up like Operation uh, Midnight Climax, where it was like. He would get these guys to go like the, uh, this brothel and he would like load them up with like uh, LSD either through like tabs, like in drinks or through uh, like gas, like they, they would gas the room with LSD while like the girls would like go to the bathroom or something. And um, basically they would try to see if they could like get information out of guys um, while they were high on LSD through sex and like having like the women like ask them questions like while they're fucking. And apparently, I don't know if it was very successful. They didn't really detail that. But anyway. Is this an episode of Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah. What's the deal with this brothel, Kramer? Kramer! I feel it funny, man. Remember Lane would, would talk through sex? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. I woke up, couldn't remember anything from the night before. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, there's like a whole fucking article I found about Bob Marley. Uh, uh okay well wait so so jolly west uh he um he essentially there was this case where this uh they were it was like it was where jolly west was uh basically um uh stationed at and it was like winter and one of the soldiers had like gone off and like there was like this family and they had a daughter and the daughter like they couldn't find her and uh she's like apparently was off in the woods and they heard like this like gut-wrenching scream it was like a little girl screaming and uh like then they heard like this guy like just sobbing uncontrollably and they like run to the sound and this little girl was just like torn to pieces and uh apparently she was raped also she was like i don't know five years old or something like that and the guy was like i don't know how i got here I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't even know why, uh, like, this dead body of, like, this child's in front of me. And she, oh, no, he was, like, then he goes, like, I just, I had this, I had this urge uh, to do this because, like, I, she was, like, I imagined her, I thought she was my sister who abused me. Like, I was convinced that that was my sister who abused me. That's what he said. Right. And um, then, like, they uh basically there's like this theory that like jolly west uh had loaded this dude up i'm not even sure if it's a theory i think it might be that he was just loaded up with lsd uh and then having had like gone through some mind control shit um this this is mk ultra they were they were testing it on him yeah this is during mk ultra yeah yeah it was mk ultra and so he um he goes to trial it's like this whole thing where they're trying to figure out if like he should plead insanity or what but anyway Move on then to uh, the JFK assassination. Who was it that killed him? I, I, I keep blank, blanking on the name. I want to say Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, yeah, Lee Harvey Oswald. So he uh, kills JFK. And um, so then after that happens, this guy named um, Jack Ruby, he um, just point blank walks up to uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, shoots him in the chest, and then he like gets tackled to the ground and he's like, where am I? Like, who, what are you, what are you guys doing? I'm Jack Ruby. Like he was like, like this war hero. 
he was like, what are you doing? I'm Jack Ruby. I have kids. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, what am I doing here? Like, he was just very confused. He was like disoriented. He had no history of mental illness prior to this. And um, when they go to question him, he's like completely lucid. He's just like, I don't, I don't, I, I had, I had no recollection of like going down to kill him. I had no recollection that I killed him until you guys tackled me and I saw the body. And then they let Jack or uh, Jolly West into uh, the room with him for like six hours. And then after those six hours, they find Jack Ruby under the table and he's like, basically he's like saying a bunch of crazy shit about like uh uh he's afraid his mom's coming like he's afraid like uh there's like someone out there who's like gonna come in and get it like he was like hallucinating basically like he was going absolutely batshit crazy and they're they were thinking that the reason why uh jolly west was called in to go in there was to like make them believe that he was actually insane and he uh he was like uh more inclined to be someone who would like kill uh the kill uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and like, but do it. Uh, and then also, it also kind of gave like credence or uh, it kind of gave credibility to like him pretending like, you know, Oh, I have no idea where I was all this shit. Like he's just some crazy guy. So Jack Ruby officially was a nightclub owner is what it says, uh. but he supposedly had some affiliations with the, uh, the, the mafia but he wasn't actually like a member of the mafia according to wikipedia he was just kind of like just involved because i guess in certain industries you have to be involved mm. <laughs> like like in the casino industry you kind of have to yeah so he was just part of it so i guess cuz jfk had a lot of ties to the fucking mafia mm, yeah so um we we saw that movie the irishman yeah and in that they basically made it look like the fucking the mafia or the were the ones basically that put him in power and uh, mm. he betrayed them and they basically took him out. Yeah. But if you, um, if you look at what they were talking about on, um, God, what was it? Was it, it was Tim Dillon's podcast. Um, I forget her name. You know, the, the, Whitney you know Webb. the episode. Yeah. Whitney Webb. So she was talking about how the, um, the mafia was working with the government. I think the CIA or the FBI. Mm-hmm. He said basically they were like the enforcement ring of the government, basically. Like they they basically were the ones to, you know, if you want something dirty done, you want to take out somebody, just have the mafia do it. Right. So that makes sense. It does. It does. It what what just didn't make sense was like that the dude like seemed completely confused. Like I guess that's that's what's been reported in anyway by a lot of like journalists and shit like that and people who are around. They were just like he like it, he didn't seem like he knew where he was. Like he was completely disoriented. Well, well, here's the thing too. When you look at some of these like conspiracy theories, some of them are conflicting, right? Yeah. Because some people will say, "Oh, it's the government. The CIA did it," and then other people will be like, "Oh, okay, it was the mafia that did it." Mm-hmm. But when you think, "What if they both were working together?" Yeah. Then the pieces start to fall into place. Well, it's like, um, so it's with this Charles Manson stuff. It's interesting because so uh, last episode when we were talking about Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr., we were talking a lot about uh, COINTELPRO and chaos. Um, were we talking about chaos? Maybe just COINTELPRO. Uh, I think it was just COINTELPRO. Dude, um, it's just also- funny that the CIA had an operation that was huge called chaos. Like, that's just a fucking... 
that's like a James Bond thing. Or that's like a, <laughs> a sort of like, I don't know. It's very TV. Was that the one where nobody actually knows what they did? Chaos was had the same exact protocol as COINTELPRO, where their entire operation was to stop stop left leftist movements uh, from gaining any amount of control. Mm-hmm. And I think I think COINTELPRO was also the uh, the eighties, right? The, the the crack epidemic. I think that was part of it. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Like, yeah, I mean, they're I'm pretty sure because the I mean that entire that shown like a bad light on black people for sure, and that that was like a big thing that they they were like real serious about. <laughs> well, it was like two birds with one stone because I think if I remember right, they were using the the money from the drugs to fund the the Iran Contra thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's like we get to make black people look bad and get a lot of money to further our agenda overseas. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because so there was this guy. Um, I want to say his name was Reeve Whitman. He was uh, he was like he was ex CIA, and um, after the Manson murders, after uh, um, Susan Atkins uh, and. Uh, Tex Walk, uh, what was his name? Tex uh, Walks Watkins, I think. Uh, anyway, when the four of them killed Sharon Tate and uh, Jay Sebring's and uh, the others who were in the house, um, apparently uh, there was proof uh, that like the bodies were like dragged to the living room, but there was also proof that someone had visited the house after the murders. And apparently, uh, Reeve Whitman um, had said that he was like deep undercover with the CIA with COINTELPRO, and him and Manson both went to the house, and they uh, had left, uh, they had a- accidentally left like eyeglasses um, at the scene of the crime that weren't um, that didn't belong to Sharon and didn't belong to Jay Sebring's, and so it's like this weird discrepancy in uh, the case, and but. So anyway, Reeve Whitman, um, he was uh, this uh, basically like there's proof that he's like he was in CIA because like there's a bunch of pictures where like he's undercover looking completely different in all these different organizations and shit like that. And okay, but but he never said Manson was part of it. He just said he was in, in the CIA. He he said uh, well he said that he was there with Manson. <laughs> okay, that's but but did Manson know? Uh, did Manson know that about, okay, well, here's the thing. Here's why it's kind of, it's speculative. It's speculative that Manson was in the CIA. What, what isn't speculative is that every department in California's law enforcement let Manson do whatever he wanted, which is strange because unless you have some sort of connection to like some sort of higher power of sorts, the things that Manson and the family were doing would have gotten them locked up for a long time, numerous times. Like they would, they, there was a point where Manson uh, would like shoot a man and they would like catch him like uh, point blank. And they were just like, well, all right, here you go. We're going to let you go. (laughs) (laughs) You learned your lesson. Yeah. You learned your lesson. You were in there for, you know, six hours. Dude. Um, because okay because if we're going with the the mk ultra theory yeah that he was brainwashed well so actually the the mk ultra theory when it comes to manson is that he was brainwashing the children 
that in, okay so it wasn't that he was brainwashed no no it wasn't that manson was brainwashed it was that manson was taught how to hypnotize through lsd and he was taught and it's actually uh, been proven that he was seen to be taught how to t- hypnotize by this club owner who like would do a hypnotizing show <laughs> really yeah so okay. he he like learned this from like some dude who owns like a club who would do this as a show and then um the theory and like because it didn't really make sense how he got like endless supply of lsd because they would take lsd every single day like insane doses every day and it, it didn't really make sense how he got that much lsd all the time because like even though it was more abundant then than it is now it wouldn't be that abundant ah see here i thought it was um i thought it was like winter soldier like right they, they fucking brainwash him and then they give him like these code words and suddenly he goes into a fugue state and then you can tell him to do whatever you want yeah uh it, it seems more like because uh, so here's another interesting thing that i never knew about with these manson murders um not just the tate house but also like uh, the other people that they murdered they would leave um uh paw prints uh, after you know like okay so like they would put like political piggy and i forgot whose house they put that in it was it was like when they there was one person who they killed in this house and they was put that, Sharon tate? that no, wasn't sharon that tate was, that, that, that was, was that was just pig um so is that put, the guy that was that the rich guy that bailed him out uh rich guy who bailed him out because i was watching a, a, like this little documentary about it and um at one point he, they got locked up for something and, and this this rich guy bails him out and was it, was they it were Terry trying Melcher? to maybe i know they were trying to like extort him and he refused and then they just killed him Oh right, right, right. Uh, yes, I think it is that guy. Uh, I forgot his name, but yeah, it is him because he had. <laughs> it's a funny story, kind of. So this guy, yeah, it was unclear what his story was from the documentary. So this is what happened. This guy um, comes. He he used to like live on the the family ranch, uh, and then like he moved out at one point, and uh, so Manson though would like keep close tabs on him and he manson had heard word that this guy uh, inherited twenty thousand dollars somehow i don't know how and manson was like hey uh i think he got susan uh, atkins um priscilla and someone else uh to go down there he's like hey go ahead and uh, get that 20 grand by any means necessary and so <laughs> Malcolm X <laughs> Manson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By means necessary. So they, they go down there and they're like, Hey old man, you gotta give us your twenty grand. Like Manson knows about it. Um and we're not gonna leave here until you give it to us. And he's like, What twenty grand? He didn't he supposedly, according you know, he's like, I believe he didn't have it. And the reason is because he's dead now. <laughs> right uh he's like what 20 grand and they're like don't fuck with us we'll fuck you up like we'll either break your legs until you give it to us or we'll just kill you and we'll find it and he's like listen we don't have i don't have the twenty thousand dollars you're talking about charlie's crazy um yeah like really crazy like he's legitimately legitimately a psychopath uh i don't have it and so they're like all right so they just fucking i think they stabbed him like a shit ton of times i think it was like i think tex held him and then uh susan just like went to town with a knife yeah. but so uh, oh good tex was tex was like a big guy right i think he was yeah. like a football player yeah dude it's funny because like you watch once upon a time in hollywood and they got like this kind of shrimpy dude to play him and then you look at him in real life but yeah he was huge 
Yeah, he looks like like he had like the buzz cut. I saw pictures of him. I'm like, yeah, this dude looks like he yeah. fucked you up. Yeah, he was an enforcer. I wish they got an enforcer for that movie because like there was a point where like, did you ever see it? I haven't seen it yet. No. Oh, it's great. So there was a point where uh, like Tex is warned that like Brad Pitt's character is causing some shit at the ranch, and like he's like sprinting he's like basically miles away on a horse and like he's sprinting down there and it's like that scene would have been way more intimidating if that dude was bigger oh shit we gotta do a deep fake yeah yeah um so okay so were they just fucking crazy or were they like under some kind of hypnosis because the shit that you would do to people was ridiculously violent yeah um well i think it was the thing they would is, just kill you by stabbing you like a hundred times. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, like these. It, what's funny is the a lot of a lot of the women, especially the women who killed in the Manson family, um, none of them, none of them had a violent past. None of them uh, were crazy. In fact, a lot of them were like, mem- like, uh, I guess you could say, like, um, they were revered, like revered, or upper class kids. Yeah, but they were like revered, like in their society. Like some of them were like uh, the head cheerleaders. Some of them were like uh, like homecoming king and queen, and like, but they were like known as like good kids, and they just yeah. kind of like fell off the path when they met Charlie, and they took LSD every fucking day. Like, I'm like hundreds of trips. Like I think I think Susan Atkins said that she took like 400 trips while she was with uh, Manson. Holy shit! Yeah, in like in the span of a year and a half. <laughs> um Damn. yeah so um but so what it what so what does lsd actually do 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 you if you took that much oh i like i've taken like, a, i've taken lsd a few times but it's like you um i can't imagine do you like, think they just like completely lost their minds like that guy from uh yeah pink floyd i well i, <laughs> I yeah like sid barrett yeah, sid, yeah um it definitely possible but here's the thing all of them accepted and like truly believed that Charlie Manson was God and the devil. Like yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. That's like what they, he they, said about himself. He said, I think he said, I'm, I'm God and the devil, but I'm a little bit more devil or something like that. Something like that. But they, they truly believed that he was like this savior um, who was there uh, and who was going to like rule the world someday. Like he was going to lead the world. Um so I don't know. I honestly think that it's possible that it was the hypnosis was involved. It, it that part is kind of speculative, but it's also like I don't know how the hell this crazy lunatic convinced like forty people on this ranch to like think he was God. Because I'm I'm also thinking because I I'm remembering, and I don't think they were like completely out of their minds. I think once they were separated from him, they were pretty normal. From the most part, if I remember right, yeah, Except for the one that tried to kill the president. Yeah, well, like, yeah, it took a little while. Like Susan Atkins said that, like, it took like six months for her brain to get right. <laughs> like when she, when she went into prison, she was just like, yeah, it took a few months for me to kind of get back to where I was. That's incredible that she could even get back after uh, all yeah. that. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, who knows oh, if shit. she? My here's my uh, kind of conspiracy on that. I'm not even sure if she's telling the truth. Like she is. About, she's, what? about how she's like oh my god like i can't believe like what i was doing back then and oh I, i'm a completely different person now i i, I uh, it, it's one of those th- she did sound genuine but i'm also like you are having parole hearings like every three years like 
I could also see you just like wanting to get the fuck out of there. Right. Yeah. Once you realize where you were. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Although, although, you know, you watch uh, interviews with Tex and he seemed kind of lucid and like kind of normal because he wasn't like, yeah, uh, fuck him. He was just like in the moment he had no remorse for what he was doing, but then it was after and when he was in prison, that's when like everything kind of like fell into place emotionally where he was just like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like we actually were killing like a person who was pregnant. <laughs> right. you like, like the shit that they would do was insane. Cause yeah. uh, that was, what was that Sharon Tate, right? Yeah. Sharon Tate and uh, Jay Sebring, which that, that whole situation is interesting. Cause I think people, people didn't really know about them before that. That well, murder was they just knew, so crazy. They knew about Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate was um, kind of like a... a no, no, before, before Sharon Tate, nobody really was paying that much attention to the Manson family. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that... Was that the first one or was that the second one? That was, uh, I believe, the second house that they hit. Because um, I remember watching the documentary and people were like, yeah, everybody fucking like, went crazy. Like yeah. Hollywood... Like everybody was freaking out, they were getting guard dogs. It's very funny because uh, Tom O'Neill, the guy who write who wrote that book, was talking about how when he was first gonna get some information on like uh, just because everyone in Hollywood back then, like they hung out and like they knew each other. Like there was a real tight knit group of like the especially like within like the hippie crowd. Um, they would always go to, like parties together. Like they were like these huge bashes. And um, he was like, yeah, I could probably get at least a couple interviews from like, I don't know, Jack Nicholson or Peter Fonda or like someone. And like they would bring, he would bring up like, the, he's like, hey, yeah, I just want to talk to you guys about like um, what you guys knew about um, what was happening. If you guys knew anything that was happening during like the Manson murders, like if you had any word uh, about uh, Charles, Charles Manson before the murders, anything like that. And they're like, nope, we're not talking. We're not going to talk to you about this at all. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> because <laughs> well, there's, there's no statute of limitation on murder yeah there's that and also um Char it's very possible that a lot of people in hollywood knew who he was because charlie charlie manson was hanging out with um uh what's his name dennis wilson from the beach boys and terry melcher who produced like a bunch of uh beach boys and he produced like a huge amount of 60s songs that are were really big um and uh, also Candace Bergen was dating uh, Terry Melcher at the time. Like they, they, oh, and they were, they were all like hanging out at the parties. Like there's no doubt that like Jack Nicholson probably like shared a joint with Charlie Manson at some point. Yeah. Well, well the Sharon Tate murder was just like, so I think it shocked people a lot because uh, not only did they kill her while she was pregnant, yeah. they, uh, I, I think they said she was like begging for her life so she could, you know, deliver her baby. And they basically said, I don't give a fuck about you, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Killed her and the baby. Yeah. Um, the way that, uh, like Susan Atkins and Tex and I think Priscilla both, uh, or all three of them like had described it was like, they had, they had a mission. They weren't really like looking at these people as people. They were just kind of like, you know, Charlie wanted them dead. So we're going to kill them. And what's interesting is, um you know how like the helter skelter has been like uh pointed to as being like this main motivation of charlie manson's like to start like this crazy race war and shit like that and it's seeming more and more likely that the reason why the tate house was targeted was because um that was terry melcher's old house 
Terry okay. Mel. So uh, the Tate house. So they were trying to go after. They thought Terry Melcher lived there. No, no. Funny enough, he didn't want to kill Terry Melcher. He wanted to scare the shit out of Terry Melcher. He uh, he wanted. <laughs> the theory is that he wanted to scare Terry Melcher uh, because Terry uh, had declined recording Charlie and like. Charlie, I think, had like some bandmates within the family, um, and uh, he didn't like that. And he kept like try- he kept harassing Terry about it. And then um, he killed uh, anyone who was in Terry's house at that point. So it wasn't even really like uh, you know, oh, we're gonna get Sharon Tate and we're gonna get Roman Polanski and Jay Sebrings. It was like kill anyone who's living in that house. <laughs> Wait, did they know who was living in the house? I don't think so. Yeah, because. Because after that happened, Roman Plansky, I guess, was um, overseas uh, yeah. filming something. Yeah. And, he, and he came rushing back, and um, he had this press conference where he was, like, you know, crying his eyes out and just mm. devastated. And uh, after that, shit, like, <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, his wife I mean, and his, I his baby. Oh, oh, I know. But yeah. if we really want to get into it, the shit he would do to his wife was real fucked up. Sure. I, uh, I, we, we we could talk about that. Okay. I, I don't know the details. Of oh it. man, it's crazy. But I, my my point is, after that, everybody saw that on TV, and all of a sudden, everybody knew this was going on, and they freaked out and yeah. uh, took security precautions. But that still didn't stop the fucking LaBianca murder from happening. Right? Yeah. Okay. Oh my god, dude. That was the, that was yeah. The Sharon Tate was the first one. Yeah. You know what's funny is, um, so. Terry Melcher was like a star witness. Like he was like, cause he was connected to the Manson family. He knew the Tates uh, or he knew Tate and Roman rather. And um, he on the stand, he committed perjury and he said, uh, Nope. The last time I saw Manson was when he came to my house in uh, May of 1969. And uh, he was like begging me to record him and his band. And I said, no, and I was like the last time I saw him. And he is uh, so Vincent Bulio Buliosi. He is uh, he was the persecutor or the prosecutor um, right. for the case, and he's a fucking nut job. But <laughs> um, he's a guy who wrote like the most famous book in like true crime history, Helter Skelter. Yeah. Uh, but he uh, he has written handwritten notes that uh, Tom O'Neill got a hold of that it was in um, Vincent's uh, handwriting and it was uh, a confession from uh, Terry that stated that he, the last time he saw Charles Manson was like a week after the murders and it was at the ranch. And he like said that like he got down on his hands and knees in front of Charles and like begged him for forgiveness because he didn't want to get killed. (laughs) So he, so he knew what happened he knew what was going on yeah like he yeah so he had full he full well knew that this was like a message from manson and um so i mean i can't imagine how he because i mean this thing was huge all over the news like yeah there's no way he he would have known it happened at his house he never came forward neither did dennis wilson although he might have been dead at the time i I forgot when he died um but maybe not i think he might have died in the ages so yeah none of these guys came forward even though they full well knew what the fuck was going on and I guarantee Terry called Dennis and was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> right. It wasn't there. I can remember he said there was something on the camera. Wasn't there like a sex tape or something? Okay. So it's reported and this is incorrectly reported because apparently uh, Tom got a hold of the tape and saw it. But 
the tape. This is at the the, the Tate, the, the Plansky house. Yeah. So this tape was found at the Plansky house, and supposedly it was um, Roman and Sharon having sex. What it actually was was Roman forcing Sharon to get fucked by two guys against her will. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> so you hear that and then you think back to like you know what he the reason why he's not in america right now you're like yeah this dude's just such a raging piece of shit right because and he, he would um, constantly abuse her and shit like that like he's he was awful because he was wanted for rape and um yeah raping a kid like a 13 year old i think anal rape actually and Jesus. i think it was at jack nicholson's house yeah yeah it was like in his hot tub yeah, Jack Nicholson was out of town or something, and he let him like use his house. Which is funny because Jack Nicholson was one of the names that was listed as being like, "Nope, not gonna talk about it. We're not gonna talk about this." <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's there's got to be some kind of ties there. Yeah. So okay, so so Manson's history, from what I saw, he was basically institutionalized. He was in and out of prison his whole life, mostly in. Yeah. Um. So Manson. Um. It's funny. It's really weird. So he uh, he gets released uh, after I th- I can't remember what he did. I'm not sure if it was murder or what when he was younger, but um, he gets released from jail basically, and um, he goes and talks to his parole officer, and it's I think his name was um, Dennis Smith or something, and this guy is like, you know, man, I like you. You know what you should do? you should like feel the vibes in, um, Oh fuck. I think it was Redwood or something. It was, I forgot what the town was. Redwood. That's like pretty North. Yeah. That, that's not that far from San Francisco. Yeah. He was like, you should feel the vibes in like Redwood and like, you should really like, just, just feel out that whole hippie movement and like, uh, just to uh, connect with yourself and shit like that. Hey, man. Yeah. And he wasn't even allowed to like go to that city. Like he was supposed to like stay, uh, I, I think I forgot where it was specifically, but he was supposed to stay where he was at. And that dude was like, he would jump city to city to city without any problems. No one would talk to him about it. It was completely fine. And, um, but so Dennis, uh, so I think it was actually Jolly West opened up this clinic uh, within, I think it was Redwood or somewhere near Redwood, might have been San Francisco. I think it was uh, San Francisco area. Yeah, he opened this clinic where he would have a bunch of hippies come in and they would do LSD there. And it was like a, basically an LSD clinic. And um, so Dennis like uh, goes, is like over there constantly. He brings Charlie over there and that's where they start recruiting members for the family. Mm. Um, which, what's interesting though, that clinic finally closed down three months after this book is released. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so wasn't his mom like a prostitute or something, Manson's? Oh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, maybe. I I, I I didn't I didn't dig too deep into that part of it, or it wasn't even uh, it wasn't shown in the book. I don't think they talked about his mom or anything. Because he was living on the streets for a long time, and um, he wasn't. He's like a pretty small kid. Like he's he's not a big dude. No, no. So they said basically because of his stature and living on the streets, he kind of had to, you know, adapt or die. Like he had to learn to read people really quickly. Yeah. And he got, he got really good at, you know, being able to read people and um, being able to manipulate people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they recruited him because of that, but he was like a really good con man. <laughs> Dude, someone for sure recruited him. Like oh, I, he I, was, he was a pimp too at one point. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, someone had – there had to have been some agency or something because the LAPD never touched him. The LASO never touched him. Uh, he was, like, a free agent. Like, I've, I've told you this before, but, like, just for the audience, cops – would come to his house because of some crime shit that, you know, random members of the family will be involved in. And Manson will come out there. And we're talking like multiple police cars are coming up to the ranch and they're like having their hands on like their guns, ready to fucking blast them away. He's like, listen in here, folks, I got people in the mountains and they got their eyes on you right now. You'd make any moves. We're going to kill you dead. And then they would just leave. <laughs> what they would Try just shit in Waco. Yeah, they would just leave. They nothing. Uh, no one would come back with a backup. There would be no like follow up with it. Um, insane. Yeah, so he just kind of ran the streets. He did whatever he wanted, and it was like if anyone was associated with the Manson family, uh, and they got arrested or something, they were let go. It didn't matter what the fuck the charges were. Yeah. Now the Manson really wanted to be. A musician. He, yes, he really like desperately wanted to be a singer. Yeah, and he actually got a song on a Beach Boys album. Did he? Yeah, um, I forgot what it's called. They they tweaked it like slightly so it's less insane. <laughs> but he wow. did get he did get a song on one of their albums. Um, Holy shit! I did that, not know that. Yeah, and uh, they didn't give him any writing credits, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, Wait, that, that, was this before or after? Uh, before the murders. Oh, okay. So even before the murders, they said no. Yeah, yeah, no, because they were just like uh, Charlie's crazy. But they, but I think Dennis and Terry like really did uh, respect Charlie for a while there until they thought he was too erratic. Like I thought, I think they thought like he like legitimately was like this like someone to like follow and like look up to. Well, he's a good manipulator and he kind of fancied himself as like a guru kind of like a you know religious guy yeah religious leader i, I want to say yeah <clears throat> okay and then the second murder was the i think the la bianca yeah so what was the story with that one um i don't know it was all kind of grouped together in the book like so basically uh i can't remember if that's where they put political piggy or if that was or not but anyway uh with both of these murders it, it seemed like because let's go with the theory potentially that charles manson was picked up by the cia for a cointel pro operation potentially mm -hmm. if that's the case if he's trying to pin uh these murders on the black panthers uh or if he's yeah if he's trying to insinuate the black panthers are the ones who did these murders that would it kind of makes sense as to why at all these killings, there's like these, like, like a paw and was left in blood. And the fact that they were supposedly like, you know, pointed to being political uh, murders. Right. That's what they're trying to do. So they were trying to start a race war. Yeah. And the whole premise. <laughs> the race war is hilarious. Yeah. So, so he wanted to incite a race war against the black and the white, and he knew the blacks would win, but he considered the blacks too dumb to be able to to run shit. So he would be their white Jesus savior, yeah. And they would they would give him control once they realized that they were in over their head. So this, I don't know if it's if it's real or not. Like it's one of those things where 
um there's been a lot of uh there's been a lot of discrepancies with the the case um and there there's there was some uh there's a theory that terry or not terry um vince um Bugliosi, like would kind of scheme with charles manson in private about like how they could really work this case and how they could make it as like sensational as possible and, yeah and so is it, the story is that he heard the lyrics to helter skelter from the beatles white album and he was like this is about a race war and it's about how we're, we're the family's gonna like hide in like this pit like this bottomless pit and when the blacks overtake the whites and the, the whites are dead and the, then they figure out, Oh shit, we need the whites to run everything. Then we're going to come over and we're going to help them. And it's like, um, you read the I know he's crazy, but if you read the lyrics to Helter Skelter, there's just not, I don't know. I don't know how you get that. <laughs> like I well, just, I can't come to any conclusion that that would be something you come to. Because I looked into this a long time ago because I was like, what the fuck is a Helter Skelter? It's actually like a, a slide that goes like up and down, like one of those big slides. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, that's, like, that's right a big, on a potato that's sack a or whatever. part of the lyrics. Like yeah. a big part of the lyrics is like, uh, you start from the top and you get to the bottom of the slide. Right. <laughs> so he's like, no, oh, man, this is a metaphor for life. <laughs> yeah. That was like... <sighs> uh, those like when they would start doing college classes on Beatles lyrics. Yeah. So John Lennon said, "Hey, let's just make up a song that's just a bunch of bullshit." I am the Eggman. Yeah. <laughs> and then people tried finding meaning in that too. <laughs> I am the Walrus Cuckoo Cachoo. Right. <laughs> wow. So okay, so this says he was he was displeased with the first murder, so he took them on a drive the following night to show them how to do it says he considered a number of murders and attempted one over the course of the next few hours. Then he ordered Linda Kasabian to drive the group to 3301 Waverly Drive. This was the home of supermarket executive Leno LaBianca and his wife Rosemary Cohn, owner of a dress shop. So that was the second one. So it says Manson and his followers murdered both of them in the early morning hours of August 10th. Now, did, did Manson deny actually doing that? Because I thought he said he never killed anybody. He did. Um, I don't believe that shit for a second, though. I think Manson for sure has killed people. Um, uh, in fact, I think that's why he got put away for so long. It was either that or he, like, viciously attacked and raped someone. I mean, we know he's a criminal. I mean, <laughs> Well, he's for sure a criminal, yeah. <laughs> we know he's tried to kill people before for sure. Yeah, yeah. The LAPD knew he was a criminal. The LASO knew he was a criminal. And they also didn't give a shit. <laughs> right, because I think you said at one point he accidentally, or no, not accidentally, he, he tried to, he killed a Black Panther member while during no, a drug no, deal? No, no. So he, uh, he was he was talking to the, this black guy and they had some heated argument. And I think it might've been during a, a drug deal and uh, he shot him and he left him there. And he like laid low for weeks because he was like, Oh fuck. I think I killed a me a black Panther. And then like it, but he didn't kill him. Like the guy actually like went to the police and was like, Charles Manson shot me. <laughs> and the police wow. were like, Oh, that Charlie. Well, we'll get him. <laughs> so they're like <laughs> this honestly would make the funniest fucking adult swim show in the world like Dude, that's that's uh what's that the the dog uh pickles oh yeah mr pickles yeah <laughs> mr pickles 
<laughs> Dude, that what was that meme where they're like, "Don't care, didn't ask, plus you're black." Oh, I don't think <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> that's like literally what they said to him. Yeah. Don't, well, don't care, didn't ask, plus you're black. Honestly, I think the president could have gone in there and been like, "Charles Manson shot me," and they would have been like, "Oh, all right. Well, we'll, well see. We'll look into it." Funny well, wait, you say that well, because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 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 in 1975 dude okay this was the craziest thing because this is way after all of this shit yeah so squeaky from who who was a member of the manson family yeah. um it, i don't know because it looks like she tried to assassinate gerald ford <laughs> she did i think she did she shoot at him it looks like she just did she shoot let me see so, okay, so she said she wanted to make a statement to people who refused to halt environmental pollution and its effects on the air, <laughs> trees, waters, and animals. Yikes. Um, although Fromm stood a little more than an arm's length from Ford that Friday morning and pointed an M1911 pistol at him in the public grounds of the California State Capitol building, she had not chambered around, the gun did not fire, and no one was injured. <sighs> So I don't know how you call it an assassination attempt, but I guess just because she pointed a gun at him. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. What else do you call it? <laughs> I, so this, this is this is super bizarre because this is years after I think everybody else got locked up because this is 1975. Yeah, yeah. So, so she wasn't involved in the murder. She was just there. So I guess she got away scot-free pretty much. Um. So, okay. So after that, <laughs> Gerald Ford kept, pretty much kept going because I guess he was there to meet with the governor. Uh. <laughs> so he just kept going to the state house after the Secret Service whisked him away. And she got locked up for like a bunch of years. They wouldn't even let her out until Gerald Ford died. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that would be funny if it was like, your sentence is Gerald Ford's life. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They let her out in 2009. <laughs> 2009. So she was locked up from 1975 to 2009. Oh, that's right. I heard about that. But she like tried to have like an online business, I think, in New York. She moved to Marcy, New York. That's fucking Jay-Z's old neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yeah. So, I mean, all these fucking people are nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But do you think if that was Charles Manson, they would have let him get away? <laughs> Yeah, dude, I do. I really do. Because, like, he did fucking everything. Like, uh, he shot people. He killed people. He robbed people. He beat people senseless. And he would get arrested for these things. And then, like, at most, the next day, he would get released from prison. Wow. Most of the time, though, within hours. (laughs) It, It was like he had the best lawyer in the world, but never had a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, so who who was doing this? The CIA was letting him go? I mean, I can't imagine who else might be involved. I mean, like, uh, well. Here's the craziest thing. They said when she pointed the gun at him, several people heard a metallic click sound, and she shouted it wouldn't go off. Oh, well, maybe she did try to assassinate him, but it, the bullet was in the chamber. She said it didn't go off. Can you believe it? Did, could she be so? Could she have lost her mind so much she forgot to put a bullet? In? Well, maybe it was one of those things where she didn't put enough bullets in the chamber, and she just happened to have clicked on like an empty. Holy shit! <laughs> it's funny because like 
because he didn't actually get shot, I guess you don't really hear about this as much unless you actually like were around. Yeah. Like, I never knew about this. I never knew about that either. Oh, <laughs> since this isn't, you know, completely CIA and Charles Manson, did you know that Jeff Ross, the comedian, um, like during the time uh, Chris D'Elia got in trouble with the messages, he like got found out for like fucking a 15 year old. <laughs> No, I thought you were going to say he also tried to assassinate Gerald Ford. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Ross in 1975. <laughs> he was there that night. And he was like, well, you fucking squeaky. Oh, I told you to fucking put bullets in the gun. Squeaky blew up my spot. <laughs> no, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Jeff Ross, did this happen recently? It happened like during the Chris D'Elia shit and like no one talked about it because he's Jeff Ross. <laughs> I mean, you like pretty much expect him to be a fucking creep. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, he's he's like I I denied this shit, but the girl who supposedly he did it to made a pretty convincing video. <laughs> hmm. Like she had like a bunch of pictures with him, and he he was like holding on her, like kind of I don't know, a little creepier than usual. And then like he had she had like a ticket from like this uh, roast that he was hosting, and like she was detailing like <laughs> these friends that they knew who were uh, basically uh, connected to each other, and it was like oh boy. He was wearing an R. Kelly shirt. I mean, yeah, yeah. free <laughs> yeah. R. Kelly. <laughs> he didn't even do nothing. <laughs> Change no, the I... age limit. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh the Crystalia thing, too. Because um, Joe Rogan, um, he, he's got a show on Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, there were a bunch of episodes that uh, weren't coming over, I guess. Yeah. And uh, funny enough, they were like Chris D'Elia, Alex Jones episodes. Yeah, but also like Louis uh Louis Thoreau and like people like that. And it's like why Louis Thoreau? Do you know who he is? No, but a lot of them were conservatives, I think. Is well that was. dude wasn't a conservative though. Like the, Louis Thoreau, he's the guy he like had a documentary series on the BBC where like he would go in and like interview and stay with like uh the Westboro church people and like he would like stay with like white supremacists and like talk to them and shit like that. Like he was just he was just like this documentarian and it's weird that like his episode didn't come over. So Joe Rogan I guess responded to this. Oh did he? And he said it's actually the opposite. He said these are actually his favorite episodes and he's actually not taking them to Spotify and leaving them up on YouTube. What? So he's so he's retaining ownership of these episodes exclusively, I guess, because they're his favorites. I don't know. That's what he said. Okay. But the problem with that is, uh, okay, maybe he'll still have a YouTube channel. Maybe that's what it is because like, yeah. because I was always, I mean, not even under the impression I was, uh, it's out there that on December 1st, all of the episodes are leaving YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, so I I think he's saying it's going to be all the episodes except for these, and he'll probably leave the clips up and okay. still maybe keep posting new clips. All right, well that's cool. It, it's like, yeah, and there was he got a ton of flack for that because there were just people who were like, oh, I guess Joe Rogan does have a price. It's only a hundred million dollars. I'm like, only a hundred million dollars. What a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> well, because I I guess like a couple days ago he had a super conservative episode on or something and it was like the complete opposite of what everybody's accusing him of oh oh, like, oh yeah adam curry yeah yeah he was basically yeah. shitting all over all over because spotify i guess is pretty liberal yeah yeah so, that was a, that was a pretty good episode people were complaining hard about it but i think it's because the set looks like shit oh yeah is that a new set i didn't like it uh, it's awful 
I, I've kind of gotten used to it, but it looks like they're in a toaster oven. Dude, I thought they were in somebody's attic. Yeah, no, it's like this. It, it looks like it's like if you look from like if it's like a wide angle shot, like you, it kind of looks like a shuttle, like you're inside of a shuttle. But if you look at them like looking at each other, like from those angles, it's kind of like they're in a toaster or something. Like it just looks bad. But Why he loves he it. I don't know. Because uh, he was just he wanted he wanted a new feel for like the new studio because that was in Texas. Oh, oh wait, he's in Texas now. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That, a lot of people are actually concerned because they think that because Joe Rogan is moving there and a bunch of other famous comedians are moving in now because of it, um, mm. that like he's gonna change Austin. Like he's gonna turn Austin into like another Hollywood or something. Huh. But. I could see that, and I I, I kind of have some concerns about that because I wanted to move to Austin or yeah. nearby. But I'm also thinking if you're somebody that's moving there, I would think you would be the opposite of Hollywood because I would think you would be trying to get – if you're trying to get away from Hollywood and moving there, I would think you would be more right-leaning. Well, the thing is that, like, because Joe was like, I don't want, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't want to turn this into like another like liberal cesspool. And like, I don't really want to do that. And it's like, it's like, yeah, I get that. But what if you, it's not in your control? <laughs> like, what if like people just move there because like, because he's going to set up a new comedy club like in Austin. And it, he said it's going to be like Texas's uh, comedy store, basically. Mm-hmm. and uh so the mindset is like the mindset i have anyway is like okay yeah i get that you don't want it to turn into like another hollywood but what if people start moving there anyway <laughs> well i think people have been moving there but also i don't really consider comedians the same as like hollywood actors right they're kind of like more real <laughs> yeah yeah oh for sure they're they're a little bit less full of shit unless they actually get into Hollywood. Then it yeah. kind of you know. Then they, yeah. Then then they get become real SJWs. Like I haven't like even like the liberal comedians like even like Sarah Silverman she'll still fucking like make like these crazy jokes. Yeah <laughs> like, yeah. Like even uh, I think Jordan Peterson said she was one of his favorite comedians because huh. she'll like she like she like make this look like she knows she shouldn't say something and then she's like fuck it <laughs> and then she'll say it anyway. Yeah. She's kind of pulled punches though in recent years. Yeah, I, I've I've seen some of that, but I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know Sarah Silverman. I can't like. She's I, I love her too, for sure. But yeah, when she like was endorsing like Cory Booker, I was like, "Go oh, fuck yourself." <laughs> oh, we talked about that, right? <laughs> uh, we talked about Cory Booker in regard to what specifically? Oh, Cory Booker. You know, Cory Booker hanging out with the guy that fucking killed Malcolm X and oh, having him his campaign yeah. ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm never gonna forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if Cory Booker ever tries to say he's pro-black, Dude, I swear Corey, to God, Cory Booker's so so full of shit. I remember what. Like, I always thought he was full of shit just from hearing him on the Senate floor because he has like this real fake, like super fake, obviously stolen from MLK speech pattern. And I was like, God, that's so annoying. I bet you're full of shit and you, you're in some like shady dealings. And I looked more into him. He's like taken like multiple, multiple millions of dollars in the pharmaceutical company. And like, he's just like, he's, he's like part of the reason why there's an opioid crisis. <laughs> oh yeah. And people really don't give a shit about the opioid crisis. It's like, nah. it's like, I, I guess cause it's, I don't know. I, I'm really not sure. It's I guess because it's it makes money. Like it makes so much money, like for the country, and that uh, that's why it's not that publicized. Like, there it'd be it'd be. Yeah, the fact that there are still like black people locked up 
with ridiculous prison sentences from yeah, fucking like some, marijuana. Yeah, selling a quarter ounce or like a dime bag or something, they get like 30 years. Oh, yeah, like especially New York. I don't know about New Jersey because Cory Booker was what? He was the mayor of uh, Newark. And then he – did he move into the Senate or the governor or something? What the fuck was Senate. he? He's a Senate. Senate. Well, the Senate now, yeah. Yeah, because New York had the Rockefeller laws where it was like insane drug laws just because the crack epidemic was so bad there. But you could get time for like nothing. Like, yeah, yeah like what well, you were talking about, like for fucking ounces and shit. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, in Texas, you can't get arrested unless you have like, I think it was like uh, a few pounds or, or no, a quarter pound, which is still crazy. Yeah, Texas is kind of like, I guess like a purple state now. Is that what we're calling it? Oh, uh, or the kind of in between things. Because like, like, like me living in California, I'm hearing from a lot of people here that they want to move to Texas. Hmm. Like it's it's either Arizona or Texas. What's uh what's some of the crazy shit that Alex Jones was talking to Ti about? Um. Okay. So. All right. So the Bob Marley thing. This is interesting. So. Okay. So here's the the facts of the the Bob Marley thing, right? Mm-hmm. So Bob Marley died 1981, uh, age of 36. His death is listed as melanoma cancer. Uh, so the theory is late in 1976, political factions were warring in the streets of Kingston, Jamaica, with only Bob Marley calling for peace. In December of that year, three gunmen burst into Bob Marley's house on Hope Road, armed with semi-automatic firearms and rifles. <laughs> they fired at him, his wife, and his friends. Uh, he got shot in the arm, and his life was saved only by the heroism of his manager, Don Taylor, who took most of the bullets meant for him. Damn. That's like the opposite of uh, that bitch that killed Selena. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, what a coincidence. His bodyguards went off duty that night. <laughs> no one was caught or charged with his attempted murder. How insane is that? Yeah. So, so okay. So somebody was already trying to kill him. But mm. why? Like, it was, Bob, I guess I don't, like, I like Bob Marley's music, but like, what is it about his political power that like was such a problem? The only thing I could figure is whoever was higher up was the reason these factions were warring with each other or the more powerful side thought they were going to win and didn't want to stop it. Cause they were, that would stop them from getting power. Mm. That, that, that would be my theory at least, uh, unless we're thinking the CIA is involved in it, which maybe could be. So, okay. So this is what this says. Yeah. Cause we're talking about the CIA. <clears throat> so at, at some point in the late seventies, his toe became injured um, what you were talking about was you said it was a soccer injury. That's what I always heard. Is that right? Uh, it doesn't say. It just said his toe became injured. The injury turned into cancer. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I broke my toe, and now we got cancer. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't yeah. think that's how cancer works. But okay. Yeah. I mean, it may um, have been one of those things where, like, he had just injured his foot, and he happened to have had like cancer that started in his foot. Oh, maybe. So let's see, it spread throughout his body and eventually killed him. So here's the proof. So the CIA wanted him dead. He was spreading his religious views and activism through his music and was believed to be able to influence Jamaican politics by endorsing a candidate. Such was the trust the Jamaican people had in him. He was inciting a revolution 
not with violence and war, but with peace and thoughts. You know how they hate that. So, um, were was the was chaos like trying to uh, set up like uh, basically uh, a puppet candidate in Jamaica? I wouldn't put it past them. Didn't was Jamaica a British colony? I know I some so. of the islands were. I think so. I'm not positive. That sounds familiar. I would say we have like. I know some of the islands over there, some of the Caribbean islands are American colonies or uh, territories. Um, I think some of the Virgin Islands are. Anyway, um, okay. So on the, so check this out. It is widely accepted that one of the people who shot at him was a popular CIA operative. He didn't wear a mask and was known as a popular crime figure in those days. Damn. Hmm. So it says, on the day of the shooting, there were... There were strangers lurking near the house. A photographer and Marley insider have taken some photos of Marley standing in the front garden, and the lurkers made Marley nervous. He told the photographer they appeared to be scouting the property. In the photos, the suspicious character's features were too blurred to identify. The film and prints were stolen before the photographer could get them further examined. (laughs) Jesus. All right, so after the assassination, uh, Bob retreated to the hills of the Blue Mountains to get ready for the politically charged Smile Jamaica concert that him and the Whalers were determined to play despite their injuries. So the Whalers were like his, you know, his group. Right. He was joined by Black Panther's film director, Lee Lu Lee, 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 who is making the documentary All Power to the People about American race relations. A rumor was circulating that the CIA was going to finish Marley off the source of the rumor was the agency itself. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds like an intimidation tactic. Like they wanted to him. Like, hey, that shut also, up or we're going to fucking kill you. It also sounds like a confession. Yeah. If, if the agency like stated that like, they were like, hey, we're going to f- kill you if you don't stop doing this. And then like, I don't know, he dies. But So, but he... So, you know, like we, we know their tactics. So they were going on a yeah. world tour and CIA agents had personally informed Marley that he should return to Jamaica before the election or he would be murdered. Jesus. Uh, only a handful of Marley's most trusted insiders knew of the band's whereabouts before the festival. A man arrived at the compound and managed to talk his way through security, saying he was a photographer and had arrived with the film crew from the USA. He told Bob how excited he was to film the event, although it was noted he didn't have any camera equipment with him. <laughs> It transpired that the cameraman was Carl Colby, son of the now late CIA director, William Colby. I can't wait to shoot this documentary with this camera. And he just pulls out a Glock. <laughs> right. <laughs> Say cheese. Say cheese, bitch. <laughs> At some point during that day, a gift was delivered for Bob, a pair of boots. When Bob tried on the boots, he screamed out in pain. When Lee Lu Lee and Marley inspected the boot, they saw there was a piece of pointed copper metal embedded in the toe part. <laughs> Had the wire been treated chemically with a carcinogenic toxin? This isn't as far-fetched as it sounds. It has been revealed that one of the 600 attempts by the CIA to kill Fidel Castro involved placing a highly toxic poison thallium salts in his shoes. Damn, dude. Fidel Castro must have been like a fucking ninja. Like, Bruh. the CIA tried to kill him 600 times? 
I mean, if you you got to be super paranoid, like you got to have people trying on your clothes for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. He had to have had to like uh, people tasting doubles. your food for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, so fast forward to five months later, um, in 1977, Marley was playing soccer in France, and another player stepped on the same toe, spiked by the copper wire, and damages it really badly. The toe wouldn't heal, and when Marley consulted a doctor, it transpired it was cancerous. Marley refused to have the toe amputated due to his Rastafarian beliefs, and the cancer then metastasized throughout his whole body. Um, now, it says he followed an ITAL diet of primarily fruits and vegetables and loved to play soccer. How likely is it that someone with a good diet and exercise would get cancer in his toe? uh well i don't know i don't <laughs> that's kind of a weird question maybe it's not a weird question like because when i this is pop I, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like because i mean what would that what would the correlation be i mean people who exercise get cancer and like people yeah. i don't yeah that i'm just reading i don't fucking <laughs> no i know i just that that's weird that they position it like uh let's see it says the cia kept extensive records on marley and his movements there is firm speculation that there was a CIA operative on the inside of Marley's entourage feeding the information. These records have still not been made fully public. Let's see. Marley was steered by a member of his entourage towards a doctor named Dr. Issels, a holistic comprehensive immunotherapist who subjected him to a load of crazy medical treatment in Switzerland. He was given blood transfusions hypothermia and illegal injections of thc or no sorry thx which is cell therapy uh he was put on a restricted diet until he weighed only 70 pounds jesus marley's mother witnessed some of the injections and felt dr issels was unnecessarily rough and causing him considerable pain his friends were alarmed by his treatment and believed the treatments were killing him huh was he sent there to finish off the job maybe I don't know. I didn't know anything about the Jamaican. I mean, you know, depending on what this site, like what, you know, they're, if they're trustworthy or not, I don't know. But like, I didn't know anything about the whole Jamaican uh, political candidate thing. Oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. It goes more into depth on that. So check this out. Um, So Bob Marley recounted a conversation he had with Dr. Issels when the doctor told Bob a story about a German friend who had advised him not to treat Marley, saying he was the most dangerous black man on the planet. <laughs> Strange? Not really. Joseph Issels was an officer in the SS, uh. a colleague of a man named Joseph Mengele, and had served jail time for manslaughter. Joseph Mengele survived the war and was employed and protected by the CIA. Uh, Mengele was like the, I think there was, he was a Nazi's like head doctor, like scientist, whatever the fuck. He was like doing all the crazy shit. Yeah. Doing like, you know, operations and cutting people open and fucking making lampshades out of them and all sorts of fucked up shit. Yeah. Uh, says Bob felt towards the end of his life that the injections were poison when he was too ill to continue with treatment and sent home to die. He said, Dr. Issels is a madman to recap. Marley was opposing a CIA-orchestrated destabilization campaign against Jamaica. A week after Marley nearly being assassinated, the son of the CIA director manages to talk his way past his armed guards in the secret location of the band. He gives Marley a pair of boots to stab his toe with a copper wire. That same toe later becomes a source of malignant cancer that spreads throughout his body, killing him. 
So what is the website you got this from? Uh, this is Pop Dust. What is Pop Dust? Uh, I think it's just like some fucking magazine. Oh, uh, okay. Some fucking bullshit ass magazine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but but no, I mean uh, this. It's not like the things they're saying are, are crazy because this is the same thing Ti was just saying on this thing about yeah. the boots and all that. That's yeah. what I was looking for. I was looking for the boots trend. I'm like, I never even heard of that. Yeah, he's like, I got that from my favorite site, Pop Dust. <laughs> <laughs> is that how he talks? I don't know. I don't know how T.I. talks. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What's up? What's up? I'm black. Can you tell by my voice? Exactly. That's how they all sound. That's how Bob Marley sounded. That's how Malcolm X sounded. Jesus Christ, edit that out. <laughs> no, I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's the Bob Marley thing. Um, all right, so JFK, yeah, so they were talking about JFK, and what the fuck did I say about JFK? Uh, like, in regard to why he was murdered? Oh, I, I already said it earlier in the thing. Um, so then he asked about Easy e because he thought, for some reason, Easy he was on the same level as Bob Marley. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's like, it's not like the FBI didn't have a file on NWA. Yeah, but Easy was killed in 1995 after oh, NWA had broken up. And not only that, but he was wasn't free. doing any anti-police stuff. He was even saying the cops were right in beating up Rodney King. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. he, he wasn't like doing any fuck the police stuff at that point. There's that, was, that like, over. and it's like Easy clearly got AIDS. Like <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, dude. There was a fucking Howard Stern had Easy on like. I don't know, like a year or two or so before he died. Yeah, and he was he was talking about uh you know all the all the women because Easy was pretty known for like you know oh yeah he had I don't know how many fucking he's got a shitload of kids and like, yeah. <laughs> so he was pretty known and Ed, Howard Stern literally asks him like hey aren't you worried about AIDS? That's hilarious. <laughs> he says nah I'll be fine. Nah man, <laughs> God I gotta find the clip. Is he like I'm raw dogging too? I don't give a shit. I I'm pretty sure he said that. Yeah yeah I wouldn't doubt it. I'm, I, I was like, bruh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, for real? <laughs> I, I gotta find it. That shit was like... That was probably during fun. the Billy West years, too. That, that, that's interesting. Because Easy died in 95, so like... Yeah. This is 93? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he had him on a couple of times, actually. Yeah, he did. He had him on twice. He, <laughs> 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 he was such a fucking troll. Because, okay. So he had him on twice... One of the times he had him on, he had him with the former LAPD chief. That's hilarious. <laughs> Stern was good back in the day. Oh, dude. What was a cop killing? Well, no, I didn't say that you said. Did you, didn't say, did you ever take yeah, you didn't cops? Do that. No, no you, I did that. I yeah. stayed that. I know. I'm just saying 5150 is how you... I'll take it off my album, though. Just said that you wouldn't have taken it off your album. Yeah. You think that was a good song? It was cool. It was a cool song, Kill the Police? I mean, to each his own, you know? Really? Hey. What, what if we ran around uh, saying, let's uh, kill a black? That's cool. Yeah. Hey, as long as you're making oh, money, though. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. We can go around and say, kill Yeah, you know, we thought all yeah. this stuff yeah. was political. It's about that's making it. money. That's it? Making money? That's, that's it. it. I was really sure. I would knock nobody from making no money. No, no. Prostitutes. That, that's all you care about? Matter. Huh? Well, you know, it's all you care about? Nah. No character. It's got big overhead. No sense. How many children you got, Eric? 
five. You have five children? Yeah. Seriously? Uh -huh. You have five kids? Uh -huh. And no, you're you your don't. wife, uh, or uh, you where gotta, do you live now? Yeah, where's your wife? <laughs> I'm not married. You're not married. What the hell is going on there, Eric? Now, seriously, what is going on with that? How are so many of the brothers out there are impregnating these women? I'm just not the brothers doing it. Everybody doing it. Everyone's Everybody doing that. Black, really? Whatever, you know. No, I'm black. You have five doing. children and never been. Isn't uh, that just a black thing? Old, <laughs> the same woman or different women? Different women. Different women. Do you, do you and how often do you see your kids? <laughs> All the time. You pay for them? Of course. Oh, okay. Well, that's easy. That's something. You're with uh, NWAP niggas with active penis. I'll tell you that. You are uh, completely, completely out of control. You really are. Uh, <laughs> I'm just letting you know it works, and I'm not, you know, homosexual or nothing. Right. Like so you keep. Do you, you wear condoms when you have sex? No, no, apparently not. You don't have condoms? No. You never wear a condom. No. You know, you heard about AIDS. Yeah, but the people that I mess with don't. They're clean. Yeah. They're How clean. do you know? You smell them before you have sex with them. I had it myself if, I had, if they would have had it. Right? Oh. oh, man. I was going to jump around. Chief Gates, are we doomed as a society? I guess so. Chief Gates, if you would like to say something, are we doomed as a society? What do you do now? <laughs> what are we going to do with Eric here? Eric's, Eric's got five At kids. At least he's got some money. Yeah. You, now, what do you do? You pay child support? Nah. Oh, you don't? Nah. You don't pay child support? Nah. No. Are you serious, Eric? I thought you said you paid for him. I pay for the kids. Oh, so you pay child support. I mean, I take care of them. Oh, I mean, you but, take care of them. But there's no legal thing going on. Once in a while, you throw them a couple of bucks. Sometimes you forget. It's pretty steady, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Eric. You're 20 years old. You already have five kids. Now, when did you first have your first kid? How old were you? Probably was, I was like 14 or something. 14 years old. <laughs> He's got kids older than yours. I know. <laughs> Got all the kids with me, Chief Gates. But Chief Gates is incredible. Chief Gates is all upset now. You guys were hitting it off. He was actually liking you. Oh, I had more kids. You better cuff him, Chief Gates. Cuff him around. Cuff him around the genitals. Right now, we gotta put this guy out of pasture. Oh man. So, what you? So you have? And you have these? Any white women? Huh? You get any white women pregnant? Uh, I'll say, Jewish. You got Jewish white women Jewish pregnant? and black. Jewish and black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can you write a song called F the Police when you're busy effing everyone else? <laughs> I did that too. Everyone. <laughs> I did a song called F Everybody. F Everybody. That's a better song. Yeah. All right. Now, Chief Gates, uh, I want to thank you for coming by and welcoming us to Los Angeles. And we are number one in your town. And, of course, uh, from Niggers with Attitude, all the niggers love us. Yeah. And let me say something uh, to uh, EZE. I know how to speak your language. I'm going to say that you are super bad, you are the baddest dude, you are uh, super dope. Is that right? Dope? I guess so. Isn't dope a compliment in the black community? I guess so. You are dope. You are the biggest dope I ever met. Let me just say that. That's, Chief Gates, don't get nervous. That is a compliment. Still a black guy. That's all right. That's all right. Have you ever gone to the black community, Chief Gates, and said to a guy you're a big dope? Never. Never. But if you said that, they would like you better. Am I correct? Is that true? Not really. I mean, the I black see. guys don't bring the dope in. But let me say something. You are uh, stupid fresh. <laughs> and uh, you are the stupidest, freshest guy I know. <laughs> and Chief Gates, yours is stupid as uh, easy. E. This is a compliment now. I'm talking well, black I, I, dog. I, I, Don't I just take this the wrong way. And, uh, and, and the niggas can tell you that as well. Am I correct? Yeah. Niggas with attitude will tell you that this is a compliment. Uh, am I speaking uh, jive talk, as they say? No, I don't know nothing about jive. Don't you think this is sort of uh, good that I know this stuff? Me with the black actors. Yeah, right. right, yes, exactly. Okay. So let me just say that um, uh, ECE is a big idiot, that, which, is a, and I, which is a compliment, right? Is that a compliment to the black community? I guess so, but you're still a nigger. No, I'm a nigger. And uh, if you would like me to compliment you, um, Chief Gates, uh, both of you guys are idiots, Robin, you're an idiot as well. And uh, I'm the biggest idiot I, I of all. I think you're an idiot too. No, I'm yeah. an ignorant son of a bitch. And uh, we are all idiots. I think you're a moron. This is, uh, thank you. That's a compliment in the black community, Chief Gates. Uh, it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Everybody here is dumb as a friggin' wall. <laughs> All right. Um, let me thank both you, Chief Gates, of course. I, uh, uh, now, Eric might disagree with me. I, I agreed with the Rodney King beating. I thought it was good for Rodney. I thought he needed a little bit of beating. He was a little out of hand, and I applaud the LAPD for that. I don't think everyone should have rioted over that. They should have said, thank God they got this guy. He's running around a high-speed chase. They had to give him a good whacking around. Where were you during the riot? Yeah, where were you? In the studio. In oh, the studio. You didn't go out to take any TVs or anything? No, I didn't go looting. Sure, you did behave yourself there. Well, Chief Gates, he's not all bad. He might have been in the studio having sex with a girl having another kid. All right, I want to thank Eze from Niggers with Attitude. His solo album soon to come out, right? Right. All right, and he's suing Sony for how much money? It was 13.5. 13.5 million, Chief Gates. Well, he's got five kids. Yeah. Probably working on seven or eight more. And Chief Gates, I want to I want to thank you for coming by. It's a true honor to have both of you here welcoming us to Los Angeles. Now do we feel welcome? Now we feel like we're in showbiz. We are broadcasting from Spagos this morning. I only here I am in Spagos. I can't find any celebrities. Well, you know. Hey, listen. Now you're as guys are celebrities. I'm just kidding. All right. Very good. And I want to say to both of you, congratulations. Welcome to LA. Thank you. I I think. Thank you, Chief Gates. I don't I don't have one. This was uh, this was ninety two, so this was like three years before he died. He, he was twenty years old at that point. I don't think that's true. I think he was older than that. Oh, okay. I think he was lying about his age because he had at one point. I remember he had jokes that he was lying about his age in his songs. Oh, uh, it could it could be that it could also be that Howard was just making a joke or something. Yeah. Well, because because people thought Easy E was younger because his voice he sounded like really high pitched, so they, they right. thought he was like a little kid. Yeah. See, he died. Now he was thirty when he died, so he would have been what twenty eight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So damn, he's thirty when he died. Fuck. <laughs> damn, oh, it's that's crazy because he did so much. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so Ti was like thinking that. So, so there was something interesting. I don't know if I mentioned on, on the uh, the Tupac and Biggie thing we did. Mm-hmm. Suge Knight had made a fucking joke that he injected Easy with AIDS. <laughs> Did you hear about this? I think you told me about it once, but yeah, I don't think we. I don't. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but that's ridiculous. It he said be- Dr. Dre paid him to have him kill him. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. No, no, he said Dr. Dre paid to have Suge Knight killed. Never mind. Oh, oh okay. Let me see. Fresh out of jail, I'll come check you out, right? Right. Why the bulletproof vest? Oh, it's not. Oh, no, that's just. It's because you know, it's, style. You've been no, in the no, can no, no, for a no, while. No, 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 that's no, no. what all the talk show hosts so are look, wearing. This is a new thing, right? Yeah. See, if somebody's going to do something about it, see, right. technology is so high, right? Right. So if you shoot somebody, you go to jail forever. So the kids, you don't want to go to jail forever, right? right? So they got this new thing out there. People sell them all the time. They got this stuff to call. They get blood from somebody with AIDS. Yeah. And then they shoot you with it. Oh, so well, that seems bad. Happen, that's yeah. a slow death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Way to lighten the mood. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, So he's saying nobody they knew that was with Easy had AIDS or HIV. They, How would they know? I, I'm guessing his baby mamas got tested after. But, yeah, but uh, I mean, he was fucking all over the place. Like it was, he would be like on tour and like he'd like fuck five girls a night or something like that. It's like, how would he know? 
maybe. But I would think if, if you heard about that and you fucked easy at some point, you would have gotten tested and like. Maybe eventually, but how do you get in contact with Easy after he's gone from that town? I don't know. I, yeah. I wonder if wouldn't they have come forward? Maybe or maybe not. They don't want anybody to know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, how would you? I don't know. He may have yeah, fucked a few bitches who had AIDS. It's ironic because you know I know people can live with HIV for years. And I think he died from HIV, HIV, not from that AIDS. But, but mm. you're about to die. From AIDS, full blown AIDS. Oh, he did get AIDS. You're oh, he had full like blown AIDS. Die from AIDS. Uh, I've seen people that die from AIDS, and they look like they have AIDS. Do you feel that? Oh, right, right. They said he didn't. They said it was like really, like it didn't look like he had AIDS, and he didn't know he had AIDS, and it just like came out full blown, and all of a sudden he died. Mm. Like it was a pretty quick progression. It wasn't like gradual. Yeah, I think if you don't take like the right. And I don't even know what the science was for AIDS back in, like, the mid-90s. Oh, yeah, they didn't have anything back then. Yeah, because, I mean, like, now it's, like, if you have HIV, you just take, like, I don't know, 20 pills or something a day, and, like, you're supposedly okay. Right. So, so Bone Thugs saw that, and they were, like, he knew what's up. He's, like, because he was, like, he was joking about it, and people were saying that he was saying that he did it. But when they saw that, they're saying that he didn't do it, but he knew what happened to Easy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think Sugar yeah, Knight is kind of a troll. Oh, of course. He's definitely yeah. a troll. Yeah. It's 100% troll. I'm just, I mean, I guess it's possible, but I don't see any motivation because he wasn't really, he wasn't really doing anything at that time. Like, he hadn't made any kind of anti-police stuff. He was actually... He went to fucking the White House and had, you know, a fucking lunch <laughs> with Ronald Reagan and shit. Like, That's hilarious. Yeah, he. Um, or what did it like, Was it Ronald Reagan or was it? Uh, yeah, uh, it was Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay. This was. Um, when did Bush come? I think it was president? Bush was eighty-eight. Mm, I'm pretty sure it was Ronald Reagan. When was he president? Eighty-nine. Yeah, he was president until 89. Oh, okay. And when did NWA came out? I want to say 86 or 88. Mm. Yeah. I forgot. They, yeah. They, okay, 87. My bad. Yeah. Because uh, they, they had an album before Straight Outta Compton. It was right. called NWA and the Posse. Yeah. Uh, and then Straight Outta Compton came out in 88. Was NWA and the Posse, was that an EP? Hmm. NWA and the Posse, I think it was a full album. Because I remember oh. seeing stores. Yeah, it was 11 songs. Uh, Boys in the Hood was on there. And Dope Man was on there. Eight Ball was on there. Uh, there were a couple Easy E songs with some dude that I'd never heard of. Um, and some of the songs were on there with, I think, Ice Cube's crew. Hmm. Uh, let me see. Yeah, some of these... Songs were only on that album, but a few of them ended up on Straight Outta Compton, which is interesting. I've heard so. of bands doing that, where, or not just heard of, but I've seen bands do that, where it's like they'll release a first album and it doesn't really do anything, but then uh, on the second album they'll like re-record them or they'll uh, just put them on the second album just because like there are songs that they want to push and they can get like a broader audience on it. Oh, dude, fucking Kid Rock did that. He his first album was basically like a greatest hits. Oh yeah, and um, 
Pop Smoke. I don't know if you know Pop Smoke. Mm-mm. He had a song called Dior, and um, it was like on three of his fucking albums. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, the first two were mixtapes, but they were like still. It's like been on everything they ever put out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he died though. Mm. R.I.P. Pop Smoke. Anyway. Oh, shit, it's Friday. There's a bunch of music that came out. Mm. Anyway, I digress. Um, do you want to go back into Manson? or? Yeah, yeah. So basically, uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, we talked about the murders. Were there any other murders that were important? Or those are the big ones. Those are the big ones. Um, what about the trial? Is that important? Pretty important. Um, okay. Susan Atkins first got arrested, and uh, she had gotten like a lawyer from the state, and then um, basically uh, the LAPD uh, had paid her a visit. And were like, "Oh, you're not going to use this lawyer. You're going to use this lawyer." And so they like basically handpicked a specific lawyer to like represent her. And lawyer from the state public defender? Uh yeah. Okay. So but what was interesting was that like they had already set it up. Like it wasn't even it was like, okay, here's the uh free lawyer that you're gonna get. And then the LAPD said, Nope, that's not the lawyer you're gonna have. You're gonna have this lawyer that we chose for you. It's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Um and then uh so they they had struck up let me see if I can find a chapter that talks about that. Lawyer swap. Here you go. So the people that did the murders were Tex, Susan, and Patricia Krenwinkel. Yeah. It's so funny because I was watching um, The Defiant Ones. Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about how Jimmy Iovine, you know, started Interscope and everything. Yeah. And um, he had signed. I think he had Death Row at the same time as he had, like, um, Trent Reznor and Marilyn Manson. Hmm. And um, Marilyn Manson was talking about he uh, he had like a house that they rented for him or something to record music, and it fucking ended up being the fucking <laughs> the date house. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I heard something about that. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh shit, this is you, fate." <laughs> you know, it's funny that house has been up for sale for like since the murders. <laughs> Bro, I'm surprised nope. he never fucking bought it. I'm surprised no one's bought it. I I can't. I, I, I I mean I it's kind of interesting. Like I don't understand why like some some like eccentric person hasn't gone in there and purchased it. But honestly, I mean you could just rent it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's Oh weird. shit. It's weird Check that, this like, out. Rob Zombie or someone didn't buy. It. Yeah. So the property had a main residence and a guest house. Uh the main house had been occupied by various famous Hollywood and music industry figures. In 1994, both houses were demolished and a new house was constructed on the site. And the street address was changed (laughs) (laughs) to, uh, what is it? I don't know. I don't even know what it is. Basically, they changed it from 10050 to 10066. (laughs) So, but it's still CLO Drive? Still CLO Drive, yeah. Oh, okay. They just renumbered it. They probably renumbered it. Like, cause you would think that they're gonna change. They would just change the fucking street too, cause Seattle Drive is famous. I guess that's a pretty major street, I think. 
I don't think there's like anything specifically crazy about CLO Drive. Oh, I mean, there's there's the whole you know Nansen murders. <laughs> no, I know, but I think it's a pretty common name for streets. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Like there's, you know, it's not the only like Paradise or something. Yeah. Also, I guess there was a twin house that was almost identical, right under it, <laughs> which is called the twin house. So, um, so in regard to uh, the case, it's kind of funny because when um, when Tom O'Neill, the author of uh, the book, when he uh, found like proof that Terry Melcher had like lied under oath, he got an interview. Uh, he got to like meet up with Terry and interview him, and um, he's like showing Terry like this handwritten confession about like meeting Manson after the murders were uh, done and like all this shit. And Terry's like, "What are you trying to do to me? Like, what are you trying to like ruin my life? Are you tr- what are you trying to like put me away or something? Like, what the fuck's going on?" And he's like, "No, dude, I'm just trying to get like to the bottom of this. I'm trying to get to like." Uh, the truth of like what the story is he's like all right man i you know i like you man and you know that's the only reason why i'm not taking that briefcase and throwing it off the fucking balcony (laughs) (laughs) he's like oh really he's like yeah and um i just want to let you know you know you don't have to do this and if you do do this you know i might uh you might see me like in court someday i don't know i might sue you and he's like (laughs) he's like i think it was after that instance where he was just like I, I kind of got like this reporter sense where anytime someone threatens to sue me or offers me money, that that's when I'm on the right track. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude, yeah. Oh. The, the house is on sale again. Yeah. How much is it? I heard it was cheap. 9.7 million. Never mind. That's not cheap. Damn. I mean, it's nicer but see they completely demolished it and put up this new house and i guess the guy who bought it said he loved the house but the design of the house is pretty shitty uh see what i would do is i would buy it and completely restore the old house recreate it that'd be epic yeah um oh yeah so Something that's interesting about uh, Vince Abulio. And I'd murder my wife. Yeah, they murder your wife. You'd hang her. <laughs> uh, Carry on. So Vince Bugliosi, um he uh, he. It's kind of now documented that he lost his mind completely, like since the years since 1969 onward. Because like there was a point where for a long time he didn't think that like his son was his son and that the milkman like fucked his wife and impregnated her. And the milkman was like their next door neighbor. That old trick, that old trick. And so um, he goes and he's like harassing this family. And he's just like, I I need you to take a blood test. I need to know the the truth. And they're like, dude, like we have our own family here. I don't give a shit about your wife. I just deliver milk. He's like, oh, I know that old trick. He's like, I've heard that. You, you think I haven't used that? That's an old lawyer trick. <laughs> we need to test your milk. <laughs> In law, we call that the old milkman switcheroo. And... That actually is a thing. <laughs> Not in law, but you know, the milkman was fucking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's like what gave him the idea. But 
so he's like he like he went so crazy that like he would like pick up their kid from school and be like oh yeah your mom and dad told me to pick you up and he picked up the kid from school take him to the toy store buy them like tons of toys bring them back to the house and he'd be like yeah i can uh, pretty much do whatever i want unless you uh, like um comply with me and take this blood test and his wife was like just take the blood test like <laughs> like both both um the milkman's wife and terry or not terry uh vince's wife was just like just take the blood test and like vince's wife was like my husband has um, mental problems now and um i i just feel like we need to do this because if we don't he's gonna like not stop and he was like oh no he's gonna stop because i'm gonna put a restraining order on him and there's no he's not gonna do this anymore and so Holy shit. And so he goes into that and then Vince is like, how about you don't put a restraining order on me? And I'll, and, Oh, cause he was running for office. He was running for district attorney. And so they were like, yeah, we're going to ruin your chances of being a district attorney. And he was like, how about this? I just give you a cool crisp hundred dollar bill and we call it even. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were like, no, I don't think a hundred dollars is going to uh, do this. And the so, shiny nickel. Yeah. And so she comes forward and uh, basically ruins his chances of being DA. And then, though, uh, he's trying to run years later, and, like, she comes forward again, and he, like, threatens her life or something, and then she, like, goes back to the police and back and backpedals on everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so he was insane, for sure. And, like, so uh, basically there's all of, like, this evidence that Tom got that, like um, – Vince like tampered with like basically he like basically coaxed Terry into uh, committing perjury um, on on the stand and like he uh, he there's like I forgot what the specifics were but it was pretty solid proof that like he kind of guided the helter skelter narrative a bit more than what Charlie ever ima- imagined it to be and um, so Vince he pulls out a piece of paper knowing that he's like going to have this meeting ahead of time with Tom. And he, he has written a 45 minute long uh, presentation about how he's a good man. And this wouldn't, couldn't possibly happen. And he, so he's going on for 45 minutes reading off this piece of paper, like he's in a courtroom and he's just like, well, here's why my character would prevent me from any of this being true. And Tom is just staring at like, notebooks full of like evidence against him and he's just like sitting there and he's just like now perhaps you do write this book and you finish it and you sell it to a publisher i will then likely cross-examine you in court someday and then also sue you for one sue you and the publisher for 100 million dollars and tom was like vince just look at all of the shit that's in front of you right now. He's like, there's no way. I don't care how good of a lawyer you are. There's no way a court is going to look at this and see the evidence that you push someone to commit perjury and just, you know, rule in your favor for a hundred million dollars. You're not going to ruin my, my life or the publishers. And so he goes, okay, well, you go ahead then and leave, and I'm going to write a, a letter to the publisher. And he's like, okay, Vince. And he leaves, and Vince, uh, or uh, Tom gets a call from his publisher, which at the time was Penguin. And um, they were like, hey, we got like this literally a 45 page letter from Vince 
and uh tom was like oh yeah i told you it was coming they're like no you don't get it like this dude's fucking insane (laughs) like they're like this guy like went on and on about how he's this great man and like he like went into like just create like basically he just went into like these crazy scenarios that like didn't make any sense within the letter and then like i want to say a month later they get a second letter that's 35 pages long and it's the same crazy bullshit and there so uh unfortunately the book was published after uh, vince died in 2015 the book was published i think in 2019 um but yeah that's just it's just funny that like the guy who wrote like what's supposed to be like an excellently written book like it's supposed to be like really entertaining um but just like throw like just um has tons of like discrepancies that don't add up when you actually like interview these people that are involved um well, have, you, have you ever watched uh mind hunter yeah so uh, the, the banson episode yeah he said the same thing he said helter skelter was made up by bugliosi as yeah. a reflection as a reflection of his fears so bugliosi was like a racist apparently <laughs> I think so. Well, Charles Manson is also a racist, like for sure. Like he's, he's a noted racist. Like he, even outside of like the whole race war talk, like he would always talk shit about black people. Also, supposedly that it says they committed the crimes to get one of their imprisoned members, Bobby Bussell incarcerated for the murder of Gary Hinman released. Uh, that's a conspiracy theory. Interesting. I I don't. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It just almost like uh, it, he didn't do this murder because we're still doing these murders. So. Uh, I see. I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know what's kind of interesting is you watch like video of like the Manson trial, and you see Charles Manson and like Susan Atkins like walking towards each other, like both in handcuffs and like they're being walked by like guards and stuff. And they're just laughing their fucking asses off. And I think, I think, and this is just my theory. I think the reason why they were always laughing and singing and shit like that is because they still thought that they were like um, invincible when it came to the law enforcement. Like they, they, I think in their minds were like, even though this is televised, like all across the United States. And this is like the biggest case, like at least at that time um, ever that this was just going to be one of those things where, you know, ah, we're going to be out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. The CIA is going to come in. Maybe. I don't know what the theory would be. (laughs) I just can't imagine what the, how the fuck anyone can get away with what they've gotten away with for so long for like in this, it's kind of, it's actually kind of a short amount of time actually, because it's like 1967 to 1969. But within those two years, they were just they were committing crimes left and right all the time, getting caught for those crimes all the time, and nothing would happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, ow. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Let me see. There was also... Oh, okay. So the other thing was that Manson wasn't really the one that wanted to do this, that it was text that was behind it. And he kind of went along with it because Tex was trying to take control of the group. Oh, um, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, Tex was obviously an intimidating character. Uh, like it was like he was trying to take over the group and 
he had to kind of go with it because they were going to do it anyway. So he had to make it look like it was also his idea. So here's the thing about LSD that not I don't think everyone knows about is that when you take LSD, your tolerance for LSD like is huge for like seven days. Like you, you would have to double your dose every fucking day. <laughs> so like, oh. like these people were taking insane amounts of LSD in order to trip. So it's like how I, that's why I don't understand how he had such a supply of LSD. Like to where he, they could take like such massive doses to trip like every day or at least every other you know almost every day it was every day for a while at least was it is it known that anybody was giving them money uh no i don't think so because they were always stealing from people and shit like that i mean that's how basically how they made money they also made money from uh doing tours on the ranch like they would like take people out on horseback and like shit like that um yeah, and, and the ranch was like an abandoned movie set. It wasn't like even yeah. their ranch. Yeah, Spawn Ranch. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they would make like uh, westerns and shit like that out there. Um, but <clears throat> another thing that they used to do to make money, and this is actually how they got caught, um, they were uh, taking apart and selling car parts. They were like they would like steal cars and like sell the parts individually. Oh, they're fucking. <laughs> they're doing a chop shop. <laughs> yeah, they basically created a chop shop. Yeah. Holy shit, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, okay, so what's interesting here is they said the techs took credit for all the murders. Yeah, there was a point where um, Tex, it seemed like Tex was trying to protect the girls or something like that. Um, he said he was the one that did all the take killings. Yeah, yeah. That, there's, that story has like flip-flopped multiple times between all three of them. Um, a lot like there was a point where uh i think in an interview he states that um he had just said that and just because he was still fucking crazy um there was also a point where like he also stated that he just held susan and then uh or not susan he just held sharon and then susan stabbed her a bunch or might have been patricia i think it was susan yeah well the common thinking at least based on this documentary that i saw was that manson was losing control of the group and Helter Skelter was like his last hope uh, to keep to keep it together because apparently people were leaving the group. So it was like his trump card, like, hey, guys, we got to stick together because the end of the world's coming. I do think that he did preach like race war shit. Um, I just I'm just not sure that the Helter Skelter angle wasn't something that Vince just attached to because the Beatles had released the White Album that year. <laughs> so did Vince fucking make it up himself? It's, it's kind of the consensus i think or that him and Charles charlie like kind of got together and they were like let's really let's make this like uh, a case to remember <laughs> yeah well because that's what that's supposedly what charlie was telling the fbi yeah that he he didn't have anything to do with it that Pugliosi came up with this. yeah yeah um and there's a <laughs> lot of evidence i I, can't, I I wish i could remember the specifics in the book but there is evidence that kind of point to that okay so let's see, Manson's testimony. What did Manson say? Manson announced that he wanted to testify. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Stated, it, but he, he didn't, right? Yeah, he, he did. Oh, okay. Uh, let me see. 
The, the female defendants said they want to testify. Their attorneys advised the court that they opposed their clients testifying. <laughs> Apparently, the female defendants wanted to testify that Manson had nothing to do with the murders. So let's see. Manson testified. He stated as follows. These children that come at you with knives, they are your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I just tried to help them stand up. Most of the people at the ranch that you call the family were just people that you did not want. I know this, that in your hearts and your souls, you are as much responsible for the Vietnam War as I am for killing these people. I can't judge any of you. I have no malice against you and no ribbons for you. But I think that it is high time that you all start looking at yourselves and judging the lie that you live in. My father is at the jailhouse. My father is your system. I am only what you made me. I am only a reflection of you. You want to kill me? <laughs> I'm already dead. Have yeah. been all my life. I've spent 23 years in tombs that you have built. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's some testimony there. Yeah. Yeah, he was a talker. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So he gave his testimony and they sentenced him. All right. So, so what do we think really happened? <sighs> the... the I would think the CIA stuff was all bullshit if it weren't for the fact that he was unaccumbered from the law. Like, he, he, he could do anything he wanted. He was untouchable. So I think that some agency, whether it be the FBI, whether it be the CIA, someone wanted him to stir up some shit and they wanted they wanted him to basically control the family and get to a point where he could have them pin murders on the black Panthers potentially mm -hmm. because okay. I just can't, I, I don't, I just don't understand how someone can get arrested every week <laughs> and then like just get released like the next day for like heinous crimes. But is he a CIA agent or were they just using him? I don't know. Oh, I think they were using him. I don't think he was an agent. Okay, but he was, but he was consciously. Protected. Was he consciously working for the CIA? Did he know what he was I doing? think so. I think so because I don't. I don't. I don't think. Uh, well, for one thing, I think the CIA was giving him LSD. I don't know how he would get that much LSD. Well, that's that's interesting because if they were giving him LSD, couldn't he just sell the LSD to make money for he other did. stuff? He did. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, they sold drugs. They sold LSD. Because I'm like, why would they be selling car parts if they well, could sell LSD? Well, LSD, back in those days, I mean, it wasn't so expensive. Like, you, you would get more money for selling car parts than you would for LSD. Well, it's still not expensive. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's still not that expensive. <laughs> I digress. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> But okay. uh, it's uh, yeah, it it wouldn't have been like this insane money maker. It was just something that you know they could get some cash for, like send the family out on like the streets and like sell. I don't know. They probably sold some weed too. I'm not sure, but definitely sold LSD. Okay, so the CIA was letting him continue because, as part of COINTELPRO, they were trying to take down the Black Panthers because they saw them as domestic terrorists. I think so. I think so. Uh, like, I mean, it just it kind of makes sense. I don't know why else you put it. Cause he was like, according to, um, I think it was Tex, might've been Susan. Um, but to one of them, like Charlie was very specific. You need to leave like a paw print. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Cause the other thing I was thinking is 
maybe they were training assassins because you got Squeaky Fromm trying to fucking kill Gerald Ford. Right. Like, but that could have just been a side effect or they could have just... Yeah, she might have just still been crazy from the drugs. Yeah, or somebody else could have gotten a hold of her. Yeah, maybe that was a part of a... I, I mean, I don't know what Gerald Ford would have been involved with that was so... Um, I don't know, controversial. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. To, man, maybe the CIA wanted to take him out, too, for some reason. I don't know. But he didn't end up dying from anything else after that, so. Right. Unless unless he, he started playing ball after that. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, Gerald Ford was, like, a fucking clumsy doofus. I mean, maybe he got scared. Yeah? Huh. Okay. So, yeah, so, okay, so they're trying to take down the black man. No, I mean, that, that checks out with everything that we know about the CIA. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing, because I remember he said in the book specifically, the FBI is supposed to be domestic. The CIA is supposed to be overseas. The CIA is not allowed to operate on U.S. soil. Right, yeah. That's why I'm wondering if, like, you know, maybe it was FBI, like, and it was, you know, COINTELPRO instead. That's what... Cause they well, no, he about- said he said the CIA was operating. They weren't supposed to be, but they were. They were uh, the ones that they were doing all the, all the shit that you were talking about, where they opened the. Uh, they were experimenting on college students. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because they had the shit. clinic and they had yeah. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. it's a it's it's a. If anyone listening uh, wants to read a very interesting book, pick up Tom O'Neill's Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the Sixties. I've very rare it's it's happened, but it's very rare that I'll read like a 510 page book in a day. And like, that's what I did with this. It's very engrossing. Like there's a lot of really intense interviews in it. Like, cause Tom O'Neill like was really hammering these people about like shit that, you know, just wasn't talked about during uh, the trial. And it it gets uh, uncomfortable, uh, unintentionally funny. It's just really good. I was reading about some guy that thought he was Mance's kid. There's Manson does have a few kids. There's a oh my god, what bruh? Hmm. One of them committed suicide. Wow. Um, okay, so in 2014, because when did he die? Uh, 2017, I think. Okay, damn, he looked old. Yeah. Um, it was announced the imprisoned Manson was engaged to a 26-year-old Afton Elaine Burton and had obtained a marriage license. Manson gave her the nickname Star. She had been visiting him in prison for at least nine years and maintained several websites that proclaimed his innocence. <laughs> uh, he, this is interesting. The wedding license expired in 2015 without a marriage taking place. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard about this? Uh, I think I heard a little bit about it. I knew he had like women who were definitely like interested in him. Well, but get this. It was reported that the wedding was canceled after Manson discovered that Burton only wanted to marry him so that she and her friend could use his corpse as a tourist attraction after his death. That's hilarious. <laughs> Damn. Manson believed that he would never die and may simply have used the possibility of marriage as a way to encourage her to continue visiting him and bring him gifts. <laughs> so, oh, so he wasn't offended by that. He he just thought he was never going to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's God and the devil. I mean, he lived a fucking long time. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like he claims that there's still like dozens of bodies like at the ranch that are buried that they just never talked about or dug up. I'm sure he killed a lot of Manson family members. Like I, I'm almost sure of it. Well, yeah, because because they were talking about this guy thought he was his son. I guess he's some DJ in LA. Oh, there. I mean, like, there's also like confirmed like sons of his out there. Yeah, I think I saw they interviewed one of them. Yeah, um, like, like this, this guy was a DJ, and I guess his mom was in the family at some point, but left uh, in '67 after she got raped by Manson. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he raped a lot. Hey, so this this is bizarre. She returned to her parents' home to complete the pregnancy and gave birth, and put her son up for adoption. But then they did a DNA test, and it turned out he wasn't his kid. So maybe she was, because I mean they were fucking having orgies at the at the fucking ranch. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that kind of makes sense. So uh, there's this conversation. Um, I I may cut it if it's not interesting. I think it was interesting between uh, Charles and uh, Tom in the book, and this was like, I think in the 2010s. I think it, it might have been 2010s. It might have been 20 aughts. Um. So he goes, hello, Tom. Manson is on the phone. Hello, Tom, Manson said. Hi, Charlie. How are you doing? Ah, hanging loose, man. Happy Valentine's Day, I said. Yeah, same to you, man. Uh, I'd only caught Manson's interest because his handlers uh, had told him I had information about potential perjury uh, during the trial, Terry Melcher's. But now that I had him on the line, he wanted to talk about anything but Terry Melcher. I gave him a brief introduction to my angle for Premiere, uh, which was the magazine he, he was originally doing the story for. Uh, which he dismissed as hype. He wanted me to speak to the heart. I rattled off a list of names to see if he knew them. I don't know anyone, man, he said. I barely know myself. Manson spoke in riddles when he spoke at all. He claimed that there was a lot of money behind the murders and that the United States Navy held the purse strings. I'm Vince. I'm Vincent uh, Bulio's uh, godfather, he said, but he wasn't a snitch, so he wasn't going to give me any names. There's a lot of people playing a lot of games, man, he said. He added, I, I pitched horseshoes when I was 17. Whenever he didn't feel like answering, he'd say something like that. I got five red wheels on that truck. Or when Reagan went uh, to Greenland, he, uh, we locked all the weather stations to the Heart Project. Our five minutes uh, van- uh, vanished before I even uh, got my bearings. Hammond dialed again. If I wanted to connect with Charlie, he said, I had to show him my human side, my heart. I took a breath while Manson got back on the line. Look at man, he said. See, I have no way of knowing what you're batting into. I tried again to explain. Even in Manson's more lucid moments, the only thing we saw eye to eye on was that the prosecution had played dirty. But he didn't think Melcher was the problem. He didn't say anything. He seemed to have written Melcher off. The simplicity of the whole thing is that uh, Terry gave his word for something, he said, and he didn't do it. And we didn't realize that the Korean War was lost. To him, the real villain was Linda uh, Kazabian. Kesbian, uh, his uh, lapsed uh, follower who had flipped for the prosecution. She gave the souls of her children up to the devil in a sacrificial trip that came down in an agreement with the universal mind, he explained. You just tell her that the key to Red Skelton's house is in the ventilator and it's still there, and that crypt is still there with the dogs at attention. Our time was nearly up again. Manson uh, passed the phone back to Pincushion, who offered uh, to write down my remaining questions and send me Manson's answers verbatim. But the next night, Grey Wolf called and said that would never happen. Manson, who was apparently much less nomadic or gnomic 
uh, with his friends than he had been with me, was upset with me. He and Pincushion wouldn't talk again or send answers. Gray Wolf seemed uh, surprised by all of it. He wasn't sure, uh, used to Manson t- taking calls from journalists, and he said that he too was still processing everything he had heard last night as if some of it had been news to him. I wonder if this had more to do with Pincushion, who had uh, made some bold claims as he had jolt, uh, jotted down questions. He said Manson personally knew Mama Cass Elliot. He had bought his girls, uh, brought his girls to orgies for the Hollywood elite. He had left a bunch of bodies out in that motherfucking desert, man. And most uh, mystifying of all, other members of the family may have gone to the Tate house the night she was killed. I wondered if Manson had been standing next to him while he said all this and gotten angry afterward. In 2008, I reached out to Manson again through Grey Wolf. This was after uh, my many run-ins with Manson's... Hey, fun fact. Yeah. Speaking of Manson, a Marilyn Manson just put out an album called We Are Chaos. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be great. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, thought that was funny. Yeah, um, apparently it's like supposed to be his best album since Hollywood or Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to the uh, um, the album name track, like We Are Chaos, and it was weird. It didn't sound like Manson. It sounded like uh, kind of like a weird hard rock Bowie. But it's 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 it seems interesting. I'm curious what the rest of the album sounds like. But I didn't anyway, realize, was Trent Reznor the one who signed up? Because that's what he was saying in the thing. Oh, I don't know, but it actually wouldn't surprise me because they they kind of had a similar vibe, I guess, in some ways. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, what's interesting about this is, you know, we if we think back to like what we talked about with Epstein. Um, there's a there's a quote in uh, that Manson gives uh, in this conversation where he says that like he would bring his girls to these ho- uh, orgies for the Hollywood elite. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if if he has like ties to agencies, I mean, isn't that something that like might have some connection to agencies? Because wasn't that kind of like what uh, Epstein would do with like foreign uh, agencies? Yeah. Also. Um... A lot of the girls in the Manson family were like, like teenagers. Like they were like yeah. sixteen and shit. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Which I'm surprised they never like busted him for that. They like, did. They did. did they? He got busted. Oh my god, dude! Not only did he- oh my god, I forgot about this story. In the book, they detail that Manson um, got busted fucking uh, a sixteen-year-old girl while they both had like copious amounts of pot. Okay. And then they let him go the next day. Oh, yeah, oh, shit. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe the laws were different. I don't know. I no, don't know definitely weren't. Fuck, what the fuck was going on in the sixties? Yeah, no, um, no. He should have been put away for that for sure. Yeah, that's um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know. Something was going on. I don't know, one hundred percent what it was, but he had he had his. It must have. It might have been. It must have been like frustrating if you worked for the LAPD and you were seeing Manson come in like every week for something that was like horrendous, and like you're just like, no, like we keep being told that we have to let this douchebag go. Did you Did you see that link I sent you? Um, the 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 short history of a co Intel Pro. I don't know if you want to read that at all, but it's um, it's interesting. A short history of FBI COINTELPRO. 
uh, in early 1971, the FBI's domestic counterintelligence program, codenamed COINTELPRO, was brought to light when a citizens committee to investigate the FBI removed secret files from an FBI office in Miami, uh, Pennsylvania. Is that right? Or no, Media, Pennsylvania, and released them to the press. Uh, agents began to resign from the bureau and blow the whistle on covert operations. That same year, publications of the Pentagon Papers and the Pentagon's top secret history of the Vietnam War exposed years of systematic official lies about the war. Soon after, it was discovered that a clandestine uh, squad of White House plumbers, in quotes, broke into Daniel uh, Ellsberg's psychiatrics, uh, or psychiatrist's uh, office in an effort to smear the former Pentagon staffer who leaked the top secret papers to the press. The same plumbers, in quotes, were later caught burglarizing the Watergate offices uh, of the Democratic National Committee. By the mid-1970s, Senate and House committees launched formal and lengthy uh, inquiries into government intelligence and covert activities. These uh, investigations revealed extensive covert and illegal counterintelligence programs involving the FBI, CIA, U.S. Army Intelligence, and the, the White House, and the Attorney General, and even local and state law enforcement, that sounds familiar, uh, directed against opponents of government, mm. domestic, and foreign policy. Since then, many more instances of these dirty tricks have been revealed. When congressional investigations, political trials, and other traditional uh, legal methods of repression failed to counter the growing movements of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and even helped fuel them, the FBI and police moved outside the law. They used secret and systematic methods of fraud and force far beyond mere surveillance uh, to sabotage, sabotage constitutionally protected uh, political activity. The purpose of the program was, in FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover's own words, to expose, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, and otherwise neutralize specific groups and individuals, uh, specifically on the left. Uh, its targets uh, in this period included the American Indian Movement, the Communist Party, the Socialist Workers Party, Black Nationalist Groups, and many members of the New Left, SDS, and a broad range of anti-war, anti-racist, feminist, lesbian, and gay, environmentalist, and other groups. Many other groups and individuals seeking racial, gender, and class justice were targets who came under attack, including Martin Luther King, Cesar Chavez, the NAACP, the National uh, Lawyer's Guide, Sane Freeze, uh, American Friends Service Committee, and many, many more. Oh, one of which is the White Panthers, which we didn't talk about. Um, White Panthers? Yeah. Wait. So there's the White Pan Panthers, and basically the White Panthers were um, Peter Fonda, Sharon Tate, uh, Jack Nicholson, I think, like a bunch of people in Hollywood who were like on the side of the Black Panthers. And that there's a theory oh. that the reason why um, – it's, a, it's another one of the theories, but one of the theories is that the reason why uh, Charles Manson was uh, told to target like the Tate house is because she held like a bunch of parties for the White Panthers. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I never even heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's interesting is this stuff was actually retroactively legalized by executive order after the fact <laughs> because it was completely fucking illegal. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. There were like illegal operations, which is crazy. Yeah, they're like, oh, by the way, all this stuff we've been doing now, this is legal. <laughs> but what's funny is that the the thing that they were talking about in here, uh, the break in when the, this group broke into the FBI offices. Yeah. Um, they stole a bunch of records, and I remember 
seeing in the, one of these documentaries, they actually stole some stuff that actually showed proof of UFOs. Oh. <laughs> so I think they've, I think that ended up coming out out of that as well because they just grabbed a bunch of fucking FBI files mm-hmm. and shit and made them public. <laughs> so is that was that like the document you showed me where they were talking about like the flying saucers and shit? I'm not sure where that actually came from. I think that was actually published recently. Mm. According to what I saw about it. But yeah, they basically said that um they're like interdimensional aliens. Yeah, man. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yo, we gotta we gotta get into that. Um Yeah, we can. Sorry, I'm gonna continue reading this and see if there's anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the public exposure of COINTELPRO and other government abusers uh, resulted in a flurry of apparent reforms in the 1970s, but domestic covert action uh, did not end. It has persisted and seems a permanent feature of our government. Uh, much of today's domestic covert action can also be kept concealed because the government's secret, uh, secrecy ha- that has been responsible that has been restored the freedom of information act foia uh, a source of major disclosures of cointel pro and other such activities was drastically narrowed in the 1980s through administrative and judicial reinterpretation as well as legislative amendments um while restoring such secrecy the reagan administration also reinvigorated covert action embracing its use at home and abroad they endorsed it sponsored it and even legalized it to a great extent much of what was done outside the law under a cointel pro was later legalized by executive order uh, 12333 on uh, december 4th uh, 1981 uh, there's every reason to believe that even uh, what was not legalized is still going on as well. Le- lest we f- least we forget, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North uh, funded and orchestrated from the White House basement break-ins and other dirty tricks to defeat congressional critics of U.S. policy in Central America and to neutralize grassroots protest. Special Prosecutor Walsh uh, found evidence that North and Richard uh, Secord, architect of the 1960s covert action in Cambodia, used Iran-Contra funds to harass the Christic Institute, a church-funded public interest group specializing in exposing government misconduct. Wow, that's interesting. And Um, those funds came from fucking crack. From the CIA, from which Reagan started. uh, Because I've heard it before in, uh, in like, you know, different songs and stuff. Yeah. Because rappers are like, you know, like, we're the ones out here selling crack, but... We don't own any boats. Right. It was given to us. <laughs> like, 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 where is this stuff being shipped in from? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I remember hearing about that where they were, they would talk about how like, you know, crack was given to them from the government and shit like that. I never really yeah. knew or understood where that came from. I, I think I originally just like, I don't know, kind of like brushed that off as like bullshit, but seemingly it doesn't seem like it is bullshit. <laughs> well, it's not, it sounds to me like a true, like a two-pronged attack like we were talking about like at first it goes into the black community and destabilizes it also affecting the panthers yeah um and then also it they use it for funds to fund uh, the ran contra and all the other operations they were doing well another big thing about getting crack like in like black neighborhoods was that it like I know I have family members who are just like, oh, blacks are drug addicts. <laughs> like, they just, it's just like a fucking, uh, it's like a way of like peddling racism too. Well, dude, when I was watching um, 
the fuck was I was watching? I was watching this Vlad TV interview with this dude. Um, he, he's this like Chinese rapper. Um, and he was talking about like how in New York, the Chinese gangs would also sell crack, but they wouldn't sell it like hand to hand. They would just wholesale it to the fucking black drug dealers. Oh. And, and they were like, even when we sold it, they had a rule. Don't sell this in our neighborhood. So basically, get it, get rid of it. Yeah. But the black drug dealers would sell it in their own neighborhoods because because at first they didn't know they didn't understand crack because they thought it was like cocaine. Right. The people didn't realize how addictive it was at first, and then by the time they realized it, like it's so addictive, it's like too late. Yeah. And it just had it was just like this huge outbreak. So they use that, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was used to fund because. There were drug dealers in New York that were like billionaires in the fucking eighties, like it, yeah. billionaires. Yeah, <laughs> just it's so, off of fucking selling crack. It's so brilliant that Reagan was like, "We're gonna, uh, we're gonna start this war on drugs." <laughs> and then he's just like peddling crack. Yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine how many billions the fucking government made off of it. They, I mean, wholesaling it. That's why it's. I think it's always important to pay attention to the loudest voice in the room because usually it's the loudest voice in the room that's actually up to some shit. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, yeah, it's always... there. There's like a thing, too, where uh, you didn't know like people be in a relationship or something. Yeah, yeah right, right. And they'll and, always like... They'll accuse a person of cheating when they're the ones cheating. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like a guilt thing or, yeah. or kind of like a tactic... Uh, but it's also like they say the same shit about like if if someone's posting on social media like about you know how, oh I love my boyfriend I love my girlfriend or whatever and it's just like if they're constantly doing that then there's problems there's some there's some sort of problems <laughs> at home. <laughs> we we share a Facebook account because we're so close. Yes, because we're so close <laughs> has nothing to do with trust issues. Yeah. Uh, nobody cheated. That's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Carry on. Okay. So uh, North also helped other administration officials at the Federal Emergency Management uh, Administration develop contingency plans uh, for suspending the Constitution, establishing uh, mar- marital law. Is it marital law? Martial law. Martial law. law. Martial law. <laughs> We're going to marry the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you're That'll learn up, you. You're signed just, up with the state now, sons of bitches. Yeah, it'll be fine for the first couple years, but wait, just wait till we stop <laughs> giving out sex, and then the divorce comes. Oh, my, you're going to hate your life. Oh, my God. So, you have to pay alimony. Yeah, establishing martial law and holding political uh, dissidents uh, in con- concentration camps in the event of national opposition against a U.S. military invasion abroad. There were reports of similar activities and preparations in response to the opposition to the Gulf War in 1991. Even today, there is pending uh, litigation against the FBI involving allegate- or alleged misconduct in connection with the near-fatal bombing of Judy Bari. Um, although covert action will be adapted uh, to changing social and technological conditions, only a limited number of methods exist. A study of COINTELPRO revealed four basic approaches. First, uh, there was infiltration agents and uh, – where is this coming from? Okay. First, there was infiltration. Agents and informers uh, did not merely spy on political activists. The main purpose was to discredit and disrupt, um, which actually makes sense with crack. 
their uh, presence served to undermine trust and scare off potential supporters. They also exploited this fear to smear genuine activists as agents. Second, there was psychological warfare from the outside. They planted false media stories and uh, published bogus leaflets and other publications in the name of targeted groups. They forged correspondence, uh, sent anonymous letters, and made anonymous uh, telephone calls. They spread misinformation about meetings and events, set, uh, set up pseudo-movement uh, groups run by agents, and manipulated or strong-armed parents, employers, landlords, school officials, and others to cause trouble for activists. Third, there was harassment through the legal system used to harass uh, dissidents and uh, make them appear to be criminals. Officers gave uh, perjured uh, testimony and presented fabricated evidence as a pretext for false arrests and wrongful imprisonment. They what? just, yeah, I mean, they would never do that, right? Yeah, uh, they discriminate. Uh, they, uh, they discriminatorily uh, enforce tax laws and other government regulations and use um, conspicuous, uh, conspicuous, conspicuous surveillance. Uh, investigative interviews and grand jury subpoenas in an effort to intimidate activists and silence their supporters. Fourth and finally, there was extra legal force and violence. The FBI and police threatened, uh, investigated, and conducted break-ins, vandalism, assaults, and beatings. The object was to frighten uh, distance and disrupt their movements. In the case of radical black and Puerto Rican activists and later Native Americans, these attacks, including uh, political assassinations, were so extensive, vicious, and calculated that they can only be accurately called a form of official terrorism. Bam. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with, uh, you know, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. I mean, I, I think he mentioned some stuff in the in the book too, didn't? Or, or at least he was on Joe Rogan's show talking about um, what they were doing to the Black Panthers and some yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, specifically, uh, in well, a lot of what he goes into with the book it has to do with um, the connection with like some of the symbolism within the murders and the Black Panthers. But yeah, he did talk about how uh, I think that they would um, set up like separate groups and shit like that, that were like basically bullshit groups that people would become a part of. And they would do shit that was against what the black Panthers are actually doing. Good thing they stopped doing that. Nobody's doing that right now. Yeah. No one's doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's not like there's a huge example right now that we could point to. I can't think of one. I can't think of anything. Peaceful, mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful protests, but yeah, yeah, like it. it um, you know, at least I've been seeing more and more memes from people. It, but it's funny. It, it's 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 actually not funny. It's aggravating. It's Joe Biden like recently like spoke out against the riots. Like he spoke out against the looters and shit like that. And that's when I've seen people on the left who are my friends post like, "Well, there's now a, there's a difference." there was a difference between the protesters and the looters and rioters. And I was like, you fucking bitches lumped them all together as being right for like the longest time. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Cause at first people were defending it. They were like, yeah, but you're worried about property and you don't care about black people dying. You're more worried about this house or this business than you are about somebody's life. And uh, from the beginning, I, I saw it here in Long Beach. I, I saw people recording, going to a protest, 
protest was peaceful. They were just walking around. Everybody was fine. Then the sun goes down, and all of a sudden, there's a completely separate group that shows up. Mm. And they're all pretty much white from what I saw. And they're wearing masks, and they just start breaking shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's a separate group that's coming in. Well, it's funny. I am kind of curious. Like, you know how Alex Jones goes on and on about George Soros, but like, I think there's there's something to it because, like, I remember yeah. in 2016, like, th- there was like a, it's proven fact that George Soros like hired uh, like basically um, disruptive protesters and shit like that. Um, I think during some of the uh, other like the original BLM protests. I, I can give you the conspiracy theory if you want to hear it. Sure. So this is what I managed to put together. Um, so BLM, the uh, the movement, is separate from BLM, the organization. Right. So the organization is a Soros front from what I could see. It's a Soros front. It's run by fucking white people. Um, they have black people, you know, for looks, for appearances. So Soros is behind... Antifa and BLM, from what I could tell. So he's using them separately, but working them in concert together. So I, I don't know if you saw this, but downtown LA, mm-hmm. there were like pallets of bricks that were just dropped yeah. off. Yeah. Like, like just, just fucking pile of bricks just sitting there. Like, <laughs> like, no, nothing to see here. You know, if you just happen to grab one, no big deal. We'll just leave them here for you. Yeah. So what I think Soros is doing is um, because these people are funded, like they have like these little fucking like plastic shields they were using to protect themselves from the police. Like, like somebody's, somebody's funding this. Somebody's dropping people off. Somebody's giving them like weapons. Somebody's giving them shit. Yeah. So what I think Soros is doing is he's getting them to organize these protests using that as a smoke screen to bring in the Antifa people who show up later. The Antifa people are going around smashing shit, lighting shit on fire. Then, of course, you know, they go blame it on Trump. But then on top of that, they use their website to get quote-unquote donations and um, pay for people's bail. Then they turn around, take all the fucking money they got from that, donate it to the Biden campaign. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been proof that, of that from what I've seen. So there's a there's a you, you you'll get a lot of shit for uh, like quoting Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X in regard to like anti BLM shit. But like, I don't give a shit. There's this uh, quote from Malcolm X where he goes, "The white liberal is the worst enemy to America and the worst enemy to the black man. The liberal elements of whites are those who have perfected the art of selling themselves to the Negro as a friend of the Negro." getting sympathy of the Negro, getting the uh, allegiance of the Negro, and getting the mind of the Negro. Then the Negro sides with the white liberals, and the white liberal uses the Negro against the white conservative, so that anything that the Negro does is never for his own good, never for his own advancement, never for his own progress. He's only a pawn in the hands of the white liberal. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I love Malcolm X, man. I I saw, did you see I posted a similar thing on on my uh, Instagram? No, I didn't. Uh, let me see if I can find it. 
it was like a really short clip, but it was. Um, there are many whites who are trying to solve the problem, but you never see them going under the label of liberals. That that white person that you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western Hemisphere. He's the most deceitful. He's like a fox, and a fox is almost is always more dangerous in the forest than the wolf. You can see the wolf coming. You know what he's up to, but the fox will fool you. He comes at you with his mouth shaped in such a way that even though you see his teeth, you think he's smiling. You take him for a friend. But Malcolm X got what was coming. He got what he asked for this time. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Get it? I... I forgot how much I loved Malcolm X until we started going back into this. I, yeah. I used to like, I, I remember watching the movie and like always being fascinated by him because he, he speaks kind of like the way I speak. Like, like he just says whatever the fuck he wants. Like, yeah, I, I always related to people like that. Um, I, I don't know if you listen to Kanye, but Kanye quotes Malcolm X a lot and talks <laughs> about him a lot because his mom, I think was a, a black Panther. Oh, Kanye. okay. So he kind of, Yeah. You kind of grew up in that, in that whole movement. Uh, but you, you might not know that if you, like, you know, <laughs> if you just see Kanye. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You, you might think he was just kind of like a bougie dude. But all the shit he's doing now, he like, he's, they're saying he's like a fucking multi-billionaire right now with his company. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I wouldn't doubt he's, it. He's building, like, orphanages. He's building churches. Like, he's building, like, a whole fucking city on Wyoming right now. <laughs> he's got, like, acres. Like, he's trying to, like, do some crazy shit like I think it's called gonna... yay town <laughs> i think he's trying to build like houses for the homeless all sorts of shit yeah i i think kanye is well-intentioned in a lot of ways I mean, he does good shit i gotta find some more malcolm x speeches i haven't watched enough of them but yeah all this stuff he he had another speech which i was watching where he said um like they'll bring out these these black people and they'll be like celebrities and comedians and singers and all this shit and he, he's like they'll have them talk about politics to us yeah. and he's like he's like they don't do that with white people right he's like, <laughs> like, like but now they are doing it like <laughs> yeah but it just makes me think about how they will always talk about how the hollywood is basically the fucking propaganda arm of the cia and the fbi yeah, do you remember that um, documentary that we, uh, that we watched where it was like um, talking specifically about how Hollywood like caters like movie scripts to like basically uh, as like a propaganda arm? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That shit's crazy. Like, and then what was it? Jared Leto bought like that one uh, uh, Navy station or whatever. I forgot what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, there was like all sorts of career shit with that. Yeah, um, there was something else too. Because when we were talking about um, Manson, I thought it was like a sleeper agent thing. Yeah, like like what I, I also was thought that about, going into it, like uh, you know, like Winter Soldier, like you fucking yeah. give him some kind of commands. Um, it made me think of the the Manchurian Candidate. Yes, yeah, and I was like, that's interesting that they like did a whole movie on that, like. Yeah. What year did that come out? Like sixties, seventies? Yeah, uh, Ooh, I, I think sixties, either sixties or late fifties. But yeah, yeah. And then they did a remake. Um, yeah, which was actually pretty good. 
Do you remember what year it came out? I want to say uh, 2000 and... I guess it was like 2000s. 2000-something? I think early 2000s, maybe even late 90s. It's interesting that they like have all this stuff in these movies because one of the things they would said is that they would use movies and TV shows to introduce these concepts. Yeah, I mean, like, look at Zoolander. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that entire thing is like, uh, you know, it's basically MK Ultra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is You're funny because right. it makes you wonder, like, what the fuck? Like, maybe it's one of those things where it's like maybe Ben Stiller, because he wrote, directed, and starred in it. Like, maybe he's either. Uh, MK Ultra guy, like maybe he's like uh, into that conspiracy, or maybe he was just like, "Hey guys, I can write a movie for you about." <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe he he's into it and uh, wanted to make a parody of it. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. It, it probably is that where he just like he heard about MK Ultra and thought it was crazy, and or you know, he also it might be just a parody of uh, um, Manchurian Candidate too. I don't know. No, she won't. Yeah, I'm just like, it's so crazy because I think they said, <laughs> I think they said in um, a c- upcoming Call of Duty video game, Ronald Reagan is going to give you missions. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's set in the 80s. <laughs> and people were like, oh, okay, go destabilize the black community. You're going to airdrop the crack here. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, you got a thousand baggies. <laughs> listen, you're going to kill some Black Panthers and you're going <laughs> to sprinkle crack everywhere. <laughs> I would play the shit out of that Call of Duty game. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> this is called planting evidence. Now go. <laughs> it's just called Iran Contra. <laughs> is it? Uh, press F to plant evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Apply blackface by left clicking. Oh my god. <laughs> Become one of them. Dude. Did you ever see the did you ever read that book uh, Black Like Me? No. It, it was about a guy who actually made himself black to find out what it was like to be black. Oh my god! He actually had like his his skin pigment like dyed and everything. And, uh, was he treated differently? Oh, <laughs> this, was, this was like I want to say this was in the sixties. Oh dang! <laughs> and he how wrote a whole book about it. I want to see how convincing it was. I I don't know if they ever made it a new movie. I think it was just a a book, but I think there's photos. Dude, if they made it into a movie, you know for a fact it got canceled. Like, there's no way that they're gonna allow that movie to be anywhere. Um, let me see. I think there was a movie that they recently removed that did have a guy, a white guy in blackface, like throughout the entire thing. I forgot what it was though. It's supposed to be a drama, I think. Yeah, 1961. Yeah, on the cover, he's black. <laughs> if you if you look up black like me, we'll see. He doesn't look very. I mean, he looked like a white guy to me. I don't know. That's what I was wondering, because like, there's a certain look with black people, and it has to do with where they lived. But he like, I don't know. I guess I don't know if he did something with his hair too. Probably. But it, it's a pretty good. It's like his. He, he keeps a daily like journal, and that's basically what the book <laughs> is. It's not that one. Um, it's a really good book. I think I read it in school. Yeah, that doesn't look like a black guy. No. I don't know. <laughs> They're just treating him badly because he's a white dude in blackface. <laughs> look at this piece of shit. It's like, oh, I've, I've been treated so differently. 
I remember at one point they uh they told him to shave his arms or something because he had like white arm hair. I want to see if there's a movie adaptation. Oh, dude, look, here's a color picture. <laughs> this fucking cover. Yeah, that's what I saw, yeah. Oh, is that the one you saw? Okay. Yeah. That's the fucking white one. I mean, I guess he could kind of pull it off because people would be like, why would you? Why would anyone even pretend to be black? <laughs> They're like, he must be black. Right, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he would just look off. I guess it's, it's it's not makeup or anything. He actually like had his skin pigments like temporarily dyed. Yeah, and the only reason he looks like a white dude is because like it's I don't even know how the, I think some people might even construe this as racist, which is ridiculous. But like black people have a specific look because of you know their climate, <laughs> like in Africa and shit like that. Like that's why you know Asians look the way they do. His skin tone just looks like patchy i don't know oh it's not even that it's not just that like the dude he has a white man face <laughs> like well look he's wearing his sunglasses so you can't tell he's white right <laughs> but also like in the 60s like i can't imagine people were looking like that hard at black people like they were kind right. of like they're almost like homeless people like people would treat them like invisible yeah like as, as terrible as it is to say, like, because he wasn't really like trying to infiltrate the black community necessarily. He was just trying to see how white people treated black people. Was this him? But he, I think he did infiltrate the black community, though. Are you able to see my screen? Oh, let me pull it up. Um, I don't know what that is. This is black is it? Me being a Negro in the South. Do they actually record it? Maybe they I don't do. know, but if that's him. I don't that's think such so. a white dude. <laughs> I don't think that's him. That doesn't look like the same guy to me. Oh. <clears throat> you, ever, you, you ever see the SNL episode where Eddie Murphy turned himself into a white man? Uh, I don't. I don't know. But dude, I think there was a movie. Um, Nineteen sixty-four. Yeah, Eddie Eddie Murphy's one was called White Like Me. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Dude, he looks like he's white too. It's hilarious <laughs> for sure. That's so funny that on the Wikipedia uh, for Black Like Me, they don't mention the movie version. There's a movie for sure. There is a movie. Yeah, it came out in 1964. I think this is what got canceled. There was a movie that came out where they were talking about a white guy who, I, I think it's the exact same story, where he like tries to be black and he's in blackface the entire movie. And like they're like, oh, we're removing this from everything. Oh, dude, there is a fucking movie. There's, like, no mention of it if you look up the book. I know. That's what I'm saying. You go to Wikipedia. Yeah, so this is that that guy I showed you who was an obvious white guy is from the movie. He's the actor. Okay, so this is not... Okay, so this is makeup. This is makeup. Yeah, this is makeup. This isn't the actual guy. Okay. No, no, no. It's not the actual guy. But I'm wondering if they pretend that he dyed his skin in the movie. Yeah, they probably do. So, the, So they made a movie based on the book trying to that's interesting i would kind of watch the movie I oh mean, i'd I'm, watch it for sure it's stupid but the, the book was really good it's actually not that badly rated on imdb it's like a 6.7 that's not so bad but um it's just funny that like the world is like or the united states anyway it's just like we can't have this i'm pretty sure it got canceled i bet if we looked it up we could find that 
Well, the, the hilarious part about it is it was actually a pretty culturally important movie. It actually showed a lot of people how bad racism was. Yeah. The book, the book at least. I don't know about the movie. Yeah. But I'm sure the movie probably, you know what movies do. Movies make things like bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. It says critical reception for the film has been mixed. A tagline. I changed the color of my skin. Now I know what it feels like to be black. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like that. It's just like exclamation point in capital letters. The unthinkable. I made myself black. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. They told Don't me I was me, crazy. <laughs> said, Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you turn this beautiful white skin black? <laughs> now I have to sit on the left side of a bus. Yeah, he didn't look that black to me, but maybe maybe people were dumber in the 60s. I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just, I just don't know. At least yeah. the um, mentality of stuff was quite a bit different. But well, yeah, I can't vouch for the movie, but the book is good. So check it out if you can. Yeah. Oh, he did it in 1959. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, because the movie was 1964. So he went to the up. deep south. Oh, yeah, fuck. That's, that's like, bro. Did he ever get beat up? Uh, I don't remember him being beat up. Not that I remember. Mm. I do remember him going through some pretty terrible shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't remember the specifics. I remember him being shocked to. It's like, come on, how do you not know? You, you knew. You knew. <laughs> I imagine it is a shocking experience, though. Because, like, uh, I mean, obviously I can't speak for, like, what it is like to be black, but I imagine living as a black man in that, at that time in the South, there's, it's pretty eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah, so if they did cancel the movie... I think so. I don't know. I would hope it's because it looked ridiculous... I think it's because a guy was in blackface. Because that's what they were, they They went on a fucking tight... Dude, they were removing things where people weren't even in blackface, technically. Like, there's an episode of a show called Community I love, and there's an episode where Ken Jeong, he's a dark elf uh, during a D&D, like a D&D a game, and he's in full black makeup, but they're saying it's blackface. And there's people online... And the, but you watch the episode the content it's not at all hinting at blackface there's not a single fucking thing about it that's blackface that what the joke is is that he looks absolutely fucking ridiculous as a dark elf yeah i mean and, i'll be honest though i've seen some people in makeup like that and i've been like mm. dude let me show you that let me show you it's so, I, I know what you're talking about because i've seen people do it and i'm just like it does look kind of this though <laughs> let me show you because it's not it's not. I, I, you tell there me. was a there's a fucking um, documentary about LARPers. Okay, this kind of there's this girl that, that wears that same shit. She completely has herself as a dark. <laughs> okay, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but but in the context of the show, like when I would watch it, I never thought of blackface. No, I mean if you know what it is, but if you just look at it, you're like, oh um, yeah, sure, sure. If you look at it, it's pretty bad. I guess I never thought about it out of context. But um, but yeah, like it's it, it got removed, even though the context is nothing like that. 
And like Dan Harmon even was like, what the fuck are you guys like? Cause he's the creator of the show. He's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. He's like, fine, could, remove it. I wish I could remember the movie. Oh yeah. Cause this girl just like fucking, and I think she does it like all the time. Like that's like her permanent fucking look. <laughs> oh my God. That's just like, why? Like, don't do that to yourself, man. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. You want to wrap this up? <laughs> yeah, we can wrap this up. I just, I'm always, I'm still blown away that the, that they were like, yeah, we'll call it chaos. That's yeah, that seems fine. <laughs> There's nothing odd about that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you for listening. It was fun, and we'll see you next week.